All right, the pals are back. Coming, coming to you live from the studio. We had a good pal, Blake, on. This guy's nuts. <laughs> Blake, honestly, like, shout out to you. You're the best, man. Honestly, he was the best. I'm your host, co-host, Ricky Liordi. My name's George. And like Georgie said, Blake Cronin was our guest today. He's done amazing things, triathlons, uh, Ironmans, Guinness World Records, just some crazy travel experience, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. We got into all that stuff. So uh, take a listen. This man is just such an inspiration uh, to anybody that is looking to do interesting, exciting, fun, challenging things. So um, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, Tight Knit Clothing. Tight Knit Clothing is about friends, family, and fashion. Inspired by hip hop, the city of Toronto, and street culture, we make streetwear for everyone and anyone. So check them out. Again, guys, it's important to support local brands, especially during times like this. So check them out at tightknitclothing.com. And Georgie, what do we say? LFG. Let's go. But before we, before Georgie starts that off, Blake, welcome to the Pals Podcast. <laughs> yeah, so glad to be here. Love it, I love it. Make sure you talk really close into. Yeah, there we go. We're we're glad to have you on. Not gonna lie, this is an exciting episode. I'm just I'm fired up for it. Yeah, super pumped. Love the wall, by the way. Yeah. Shout out Anthrocharty again. Every episode is gonna get a shout out because he's awesome. Probably regularly. Boom. So Georgie, I'm I'm curious. Hit him with us. Well, I was gonna ask the question out of the gate, man. Wait, steal my thunder. What is your least favorite run you've ever had in your life? Like maybe not a race, but one that remembers that you remember that just sucked. Is there one that sticks out? So I feel like you guys set me up for this question. <laughs> I just <laughs> no. thought about it literally while we we're like getting ready. I was like, I gotta hit him with something. So this is like a common story that I like often oh, love it. often tell people. Oh, sick. So I was thinking about it and I was like, shit, I Sorry, I'm swearing. No, you're good. You're good. You can say whatever you want. I, know <laughs> I, I try not to, but I know that was a New Year's resolution. <laughs> he to listens to the podcast too. So, um, <laughs> so I'm going to tell the short version of the story because I don't want to drone on and on for a long time. But went to London, England. My sister lives there. My best friend was living there at the time. We had an all-night bender, pulled an all-nighter. <laughs> we're, on, we're on top of a roof, watching the sunrise, drinking our beers or whatever, and we're like, okay, maybe we should call it it's 6 a.m stayed awake all night drinking and my sister and I are on a bus and we're busing back to my mom's flat where we were staying at the time and I meet a girl on top of this double-decker bus and I'm like hey did you have the craziest night out last night as well she's like no I'm actually about to do a race I'm like oh like what type of race she's like well I signed up for the London marathon and we're doing this trial marathon today and I'm like oh I run marathons I I'm gonna do it with you <laughs> wait sorry how long ago was this uh, five years ago. Okay. Yeah. So I'm 31 right now. It was like when I was closer to 24, 25 and I so could, you're still fresh out of school. Like I could pull off that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I can totally, I can totally run this race. And like the weirdest thing was like, I wasn't even trying to wheel or anything. I was just like, Hey, I think it would be fun to run this marathon with you. Uh, because like I've pulled an all nighter and I can, and like I'm Blake Cronin and I can do anything, you know, like, like, <laughs> yeah, just like young and you feel like you're like invincible kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, like yeah. Dumb attitude. So basically she's like, yeah, that'd be so fun if you came. Didn't think in a million years I would show up. I run home. I get my shoes. I change. I get back on the bus. It was a different bus, but same route. And I'm on the bus. I'm like, 
I don't even know where this thing is. And like, I'm just riding a bus. Shut up. Yeah, in, in London, England, after a, like a full night out. And then luckily a bunch of people get on the bus in running gear. And I'm like, hey, are you guys going to the London Trial Marathon? They're like, yeah. I'm like, I am going with you. <laughs> So then, so then I show up at the start line. I see that girl, like jaw drops. I'm like, <laughs> I'm here and I'm ready to run. So long story short, let's just like kind of wrap it all up. Uh, but basically I get to the 16th kilometer and I get to the halfway point. We had been following the Thames for a long time. I run pretty much uh, far west along the Thames. And I'm like, you know what? I can't keep going. 16K in and like... To some runners, that's not a long distance, but to others, if you're kind of going in cold no, turkey, seems a lot. Um, if you're also twenty, tr- yeah, twenty is a lot. If you're still also drunk. Not even drunk. We're still drunk, probably. <laughs> that's a lot. So I had to call it, and it wasn't actually because I was tired or because of a like my legs were hurting or whatever. It was actually because I felt a pain in my groin, and I'm like, "Hey, this really hurts. I can't keep running." So she pieces. She finishes the race. I don't know what she happened. What happens with her? But uh, basically, I'm like, "Okay, I need to call it." But the issue is I've run so far west that I'm past the furthest tube station, like subway station. And so I need to find people, ask them where it is, then like hobble to it, like a kilometer away, huge pain in my groin, have no idea what it is. Then I have to take the tube all the way back to my mom's place an hour into town. By that time, it's like 10 a.m. in the morning, still haven't slept, still maybe a little inebriated (laughs) and tired. And so I get home, my mom's up. (laughs) She's a really cool mom. So she's like, oh, Blake, like great great story uh hope you're doing okay so <laughs> great I sl- story you're I, crazy but great story i sleep for an hour i get up my mom's like hey we have to go to cambridge to eat dinner with my friend so i go to cambridge with my mom and halfway through the train ride i'm like hey i have an issue i need to go to the hospital so i call up my sister's like hey why don't you just call up a doctor and ask them to diagnose you over the phone i'm like great idea <laughs> <laughs> They're like, they're Cancer. like, they're like <laughs> we're pretty sure you have testicle torsion. And I'm like, what the hell is that? They're like, it's not good. It's basically your testicle twists and then it suffocates. And then we have to operate to remove it. And I, I'm thinking the worst and it was not good, obviously. Yeah. And so I basically go to the hospital and randomly I had like the most attractive doctor ever and I'm not making that up. It was a woman doctor. Yeah, woman doctor and she's like, Hey, let's see what the problem is. <laughs> Just like touch my balls and stuff. And um it basically what it was, not that you even need to know, it wasn't anything bad. It was like there's this vein or artery artery or whatever. My brother, twin brother who's a doctor, is probably like, Oh, he's butchering what exactly <laughs> it is. But it's called the epididymis, I believe, and it goes into your testicle and it got inflamed, or like there was a cyst, which was like yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of gross, but it wasn't, it wasn't anything bad. And they're like, yeah, it's not even an issue and it's going to go away. And that's what happened. And, uh, just to the cherry on top of the whole story at the end, they're like, yeah, you're, you're really going to need a needle. And I'm like pulling up my sleeve. I'm like, okay, just give it to me doc. And they're like, no, this needle goes in a different spot. And so <laughs> they make me turn over, put a needle in my ass <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah. Right before they do it, they're like, oh, and by the way, this is really going to hurt. <laughs> and, and that's it. And so 
uh, I'm glad you asked that story because I frequently tell people like the reason why I bring it up is that was probably the best training I could have ever done. Cause anytime I'm doing any other race and it starts to get tough, I think back to that moment and I'm like, at least I'm not drunk <laughs> running this trial marathon and then going through all this shit after and getting a needle in my, in my ass. That's cr- I did not mean, I did not know that story. That's I didn't tee you up story. for that. I just thought you were going to like give us some like inspiration. Like, Oh yeah. I ran like a ultra somewhere for fun. Like that's insane. Dude, I can't. That's that's crazy. That's a great story. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. that's a phenomenal. That gets story. us right in this podcast. That's a great that. way to kick it off, dude. Yeah, that's thanks. nuts. How do you? First of all, like, how would you even run on no? I'd be like, I'd be falling over myself. That's yeah. I I don't know what it is. <laughs> I think when you start running, it just becomes second nature, and you can yeah. kind of do it like walking. And I feel like if you look at a lot of runners. If you look at a lot of runners, they can kind of just get up and go on a run. And the only thing that will vary is the distance, like how far they can go, how fast they can do it, how comfortable they feel while they're doing it. So I was kind of at that stage where I was able to do something like that, but I I definitely don't recommend it. And nor (laughs) do I view it really as a good thing that I would brag about. Uh, If anything, at this age, I think I've kind of grown out of that mentality and I try to actually really prepare for these sorts of things. More so for at the time, you know, you're young, like any of us at that time, we we say yes to everything, you know, being young, you want to do it for the story. But yeah, I mean, uh, which is, this is kind of like a good segue because obviously like, we'll probably preface the beginning of the episode, but you're on because big runner, obviously people can tell if they're watching the video, like guy just looks like he kills marathons and obviously not drunk anymore when you do them, but um yeah, so, kind like of a, that that story is such a like a roller coaster. Like well, start off good night of booze in, you're with your fam, then you see this girl, like, okay, yeah, I'm in, let's do it. You go to her, you start running, then it ends up in the hospital. Like that's a roller coaster of like yeah. twenty four hours. Probably more because how how was the night? Was it a good night though? Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> like, I, I forget all the places we went, but it was it was like a breakdown. Like everything you would want to do in London. So you hit the pubs, you hit the clubs. We probably hit some like sketchy basement establishments. <laughs> we then go to a house speakeasies. Yeah, then we go to a house party, and then we wind up on the roof watching the sunrise. So it was like all perfect components. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a phenomenal. Story. So I actually, when you said running the Thames, I actually uh, London was. Um, so the first time I ever ran a half marathon, I did it when I was uh, when I was traveling. I said I wanted to like uh, I wanted to try to run a half marathon. I started training. The race was like in May in Tenerife in the Canary Islands. I, I just assumed it was like a regular marathon, uh, half marathon, and I started training in January. So I, I was in London in May, and I was my training got me up to like, and I was not a runner at all by any means before this. So I start, I built up, and I was at like an 18k. It was like maybe two weeks before the race, so it was kind of like my lap or three weeks before, so I was gonna taper back down. And I remember, like, I've never run 18K before, but I ran along the Thames, and it was, like, a cold, rainy day. I ended up in, like, the middle of nowhere. I mean, I, I was still kind of close to the tubing and get back, but I was just kind of just zigzagging through the city. Um, so I know, like, it, it is pretty tough. That At that point, like, again, never ran. Um, and running in London is kind of tough at that time of year. It was just, like, freezing yeah. cold and all that stuff, but... It is a nice city to run in. I will say that. Like, yeah. really, really it's nice. It's great because there's so many sites and then it's kind of all condensed. Like, I know it's a massive city, but a lot of the sites are condensed. So within the span of like a 5 to 10K, you literally see everything. Yeah. Uh, so I really enjoy running in London. Not to mention they have uh, Hyde Park, which is like so beautiful. So my run, actually, I went through kind of like, um, I kind of went through... Uh, like Buckingham Palace area, you pass the shard. Like I ended up basically started in like Shoreditch, and I ended up in like I think it's Canary Wharf or something. Um, yeah. So yeah, kind of ended up all over the city. But 
I think it's also one of the best ways to see it. But to your point, like just running through downtown, like London area, you can see almost the entire city or all the major sites and like big famous things just by going through a run through the city. Yeah. yeah. So because you mentioned the shard, it's not exactly in this building. I don't think it's a building close to it, but they have this restaurant on the 38th floor that does 24 hour duck and waffles. I, I think it's even called that. Is that, is that a thing in, in, London duck and waffles like we have chicken and waffles here is like yeah. our thing like an I didn't American know that. I don't thing. know yeah so Fish and chips obviously is a big so thing it could be there, it but. could be chicken and uh waffles, waffles but I'm pretty sure it's called duck and waffles but the actually the good the good part of that is they have a restaurant I believe a floor above 38 39th floor called sushi samba and out of all the restaurants that I've visited while traveling I feel like that's one of my faves so if you guys are ever over there i know you guys love traveling yeah, yeah. highly recommend sushi, sushi samba. samba it sounds familiar is it one location do you know if there's a more other location on the world uh like there's two locations in london i don't know if it's around the world sounds on familiar. Top of that. i feel like i've heard sushi i feel like i've heard that before that's mm -hmm. awesome how do you go to london often or so i grew up there until <laughs> love your questions by the way <laughs> it's like we coordinate this i grew up in london until i was eight years old Okay. My mom has an architecture practice there, and she's also uh, a guest lecturer at one of the universities. Wow. And then my. Hey, no, how do we not know this? Yeah, and then my. We sister, hung out together all the time at Western. Yeah. Had no idea. <laughs> my sister, I guess because of that influence, she moved back over to London later in her life, and she met her husband there. So now they live there, which is super awesome. So now I go over, I try to do it twice a year. And it's so sweet. And I have two places there. I have my mom's flat and I have my sister and her husband's place as well. Very wow, cool. Unreal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And oh yeah. And so um, like speaking of London, fun fact about me, I swear to God, went to school there until I was eight. I went to school with Harry Potter. What? Daniel, Daniel Radcliffe. Radcliffe. At Hogwarts. <laughs> wait, wait, what? No, seriously. I actually went to school with the actor, Daniel Radcliffe. You went to school with Daniel up. Radcliffe. And I would do judo with him and I would like flip him on the ground. No, Hold on no, a second. No, no. <laughs> let's, let's focus in on this. You went to school with Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. Like legit, like any, you have pictures, like, like a, a picture, like a school picture or something. So that's a great question. I don't know if I have it accessible, but I could show you like a yearbook where we're all in it together. See, this is the point where you got to send this to George. George is going to superimpose it on the YouTube video, right? I probably could put it now. If you, actually ha if you have it, I could actually probably. That's talk. crazy. Yeah, that's you went crazy. to school yeah. with Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. That's legit really, Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. It's definitely like my official bragging rights. It doesn't matter <laughs> what I do in this in this lifetime. Like run bunch you of took down 20, at 25. You wait, hold on. You tackled wait, Dan you tell me who's cooler. At 25, he's in Harry Potter 7. He's running a marathon with a girl he met on a bus <laughs> in London still drunk. That story's a little bit better, I think. Uh, Harry yeah, that's crazy, man. Sick. I love yeah, that. I'm a big awesome. Harry Potter nerd. Yeah, um, that is good. That is, honestly, that's, these questions are just teeing up perfectly. It's like Man, we planned this. We honestly did not plan any of this. I, I've been waiting to ask this question, but you guys have been vibing here, so I didn't want to interrupt. What's we're, your, we're both two marathoners, you know, so we're, yeah. we're on the same page. What's your, what's your favorite race you've ever run? Or favorite race in general? It doesn't have to be run. Like Maybe it's an Ironman or something. Yeah, so definitely the Ironman, which I, I have the medal right there. Pull them up, pull them up. Well, that thing is huge. Is that Tremblant? So the only, no, the only oh. whack thing Where? about... Cabo? Cabo. You yeah. did Iron Man and... Yeah, Jeez, so the heavy. only whack thing about that medal, just quickly, is that it was October 30th, I think we ran it. So it's all like Halloween branded, oh, like shit. orange and pumpkins. <laughs> and it, it's like, trash, I, yeah. like, look at the swag I'm wearing right now. You Boston meant 2020. 
Just stand up. Yeah, show yeah, the people yo, what you're wearing, you man. Look you look like, great. You look like a runner, man. So he walks in like the jacket. You gotta show them. Show them. No, the back's the back. Yeah, show the camera. The back uh, of it. Oh, the it, back of it's sick. I didn't see the back. Yeah, that jacket's yeah. sick. Like the shoes got the ankle socks on. Do you, do you on. run in Air Max in those shoes? Supposedly they're made for long distance running, but really? I would just call them lifestyle. That's shoes, that's why I have a pair. I have a pair as well. I, I bought. I don't wear them to run. Yeah. Uh, this is sick. Wait, what's the the other medal is? Uh, that's the Boston medal. Boston. I, okay, so, I, I was gonna wear so, it, but then I just I have so it was many over. questions. Let's, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's go in order uh, here because we're trying. Yeah, let's start with Cabo and then we'll go to Boston. Yeah. So, I I like your guys' vibe because you just run marathons out yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah. And and Ricky, I understand you did it without training. Yeah, that was crazy. Which is totally my style. So <laughs> when Heck I, yeah. When I was signing up for this thing, I'm like, okay, well, should I Google the easiest? Ironman to run for like full Ironman. So that's a 4K swim, 180 kilometer bike ride, and then finish it with a marathon, 42 kilometers. I'm like, should I do the easiest one so I have the best chance of success? And then I thought about it and I'm like, that wouldn't be cool. I'm like, what would be cool is going to Los Cabos, Mexico, and just doing the craziest one in the ocean, in the Mexican desert, and then finishing and partying on the beach after because you're in Mexico. It did not play out that way, by the way, but that's what I did. And signing up for that was a little impulsive. I had just finished the half Ironman in Muskoka and I just normally- Which they say is a really nice one, right? They yeah, say yeah. it's like, it's a very picturesque, like you're going through like the cottage country basically. Yeah. And a lot of people will say that it's so hilly, but it's like what goes up must come down. So I felt like it was just as good from, from that perspective. But when I finish the race, what hardly ever happens is finishing a race and being like, oh, I feel great. I feel like I could do more or do another one or whatever. Normally you're fully gassed because you've given it your all. But when I finished, I was like, I still have fuel left in the tank. And then it made me think, why don't I just do a full? And so I signed up for one like two and a half months later, I believe. And I think it said like $750 US was like the price tag, but then it came through this on my- co- the Cabo one you're talking uh, about. Yeah, the Cabo to sign up for Cabo. And it came through on my credit card for a thousand Canadian. And I'm like, whoa, did not, <laughs> did not like see that one coming. If I had like really worked through the numbers, I probably would have been like, there's no way I'm spending a thousand dollars to enter a race. Yeah. But I guess it happened and it was amazing. <laughs> um, so that, yeah, I signed up for that guy and- uh, yeah, before I like get more into the race and training, like, do you have any comments? Yeah, I mean, that's honestly like just, just a great story. So <laughs> that's kind of like how well. I did my half. It didn't cost me that much. I just kind of signed up. I'm like, oh, cool. How hard can it be? Um, again, not preparing for this. I've told this story before, but I'll, I don't know if I've, I've said uh, told you about this. But when I signed up for my half, it was uh, it turned out to be the one in ten before I signed up was like an ultra. It was basically an ultra, a marathon, a half, and then a ten k. Um, and I didn't know Tenerife's like a volcanic island. So I just assumed that the race was going to be like just running on. It said like 40% road, 60 like or 50 trail and 10 like dirt path. I just assumed it's like running through like a woods. Yeah. You run like up the volcano or pouring rain, all that stuff. Again, had I planned, the money wasn't the biggest thing, but I didn't really research. So to your point, I did like an impulsive thing. And then during the race, I really regret like regretted that I was committed to this thing at that point. But then once you're committed, you're like... Once you're there, you're well, you there. You got to do it yeah. now. My that's mine's similar. When I did the half marathon in Toronto last year, the only reason I did it, I think, is because your brother decided he wasn't going to run, so I took your brother's bib or something. 
Oh yes, the one that we did. Um, we did the, the half marathon. Yeah, I didn't run with you. I, I cut back. I was boxing, training for my fights. So I, I was gonna run the half with you. I backed down to the ten. So yeah, then maybe I and took you yours. Ran. I ended up, someone just bailed, and they were like, "Oh, I have it. You want to do it? Just buy my ticket off me." I was like, "Sure, whatever. It's a hundred bucks. Let's do it." Very so cool. I just got up and ran a half marathon. And I, you know what's funny? I ran it without socks because I don't like wearing socks when I run. Nice. But I've never run more than ten k without socks on. So when I ran this half marathon without socks, towards the end of it, I tear off my shoes and my feet are like literally like massive blisters on every toe. It's disgusting. Yeah. Terrible idea. Yeah, I, I didn't know. I was like, I've run 10K without <laughs> socks. It feels good. I, whatever, I'm fine. Yeah. The difference between 10K and 21K is a big difference. Yeah. And uh, my feet did not thank me for that. Yeah. But anyways, enough. But I, I, I want to get back to Cobble because yeah. I want to. Yeah. So just before, so, co- so the one you sent up for Cobble, that's 4K swim. Yeah. The bike's how far? 100. Yeah, 180. 180 and then a, and then a marathon. So how okay, so I it's, know how long a marathon It's 140 miles total, right? Yes, I believe yeah, so. Yeah, 140.6 because it, the half marathon yeah, the 70.3. 70.3, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I guess before we get yeah, cuz the story I obviously want to hear that as well, but just before we get into that so we understand like a, when you run a marathon, like your marathon time, let's say Obviously not not in an Ironman because it's at the end. I'm assuming you're a little bit more tired. But if you just ran a marathon, you trained, you're running Boston, you're running today. What's a what's a good time for you? Okay, well I'm glad you asked that because I, <laughs> I should definitely. Lay, I love that. I, I should. That, the only thing's important that before we like even get yeah, into these yeah. run stories, we set up kind of like the baseline of what you do. To yeah, exactly. Compare, right? like, people should probably know my stats. Yeah, because like we run in five and a half hours. I can assure you, Blake runs a lot faster than five and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, so there's faster runners than me. I can't assert that I'm like the best because there's just better people out there. But I did qualify for Boston, which is very challenging to do. It's almost like borderline elite if you can qualify for Boston. Heck like, yeah. I, I Heck yeah. Like and then when you, when, you, when you qualify, you got to dress elite too, which you clearly know how to do. <laughs> exactly. So to qualify for that was two hours and 57 minutes. What? what? Yeah. I thought it was three and a half for Boston. So it depends on your age and uh, your gender. So for me wow. being... Uh, I think I was 29 at the time when I qualified. So that was a sub three hour marathon you have to do. And I did in two hours and 57 minutes. What is that average on like a, a kilometer Around basis? Four minutes and 10, four minutes, 12 seconds. What That's insane. Mm-hmm. My, my best ever is like five, like a, in a half marathon would have been like a 550. You ran best. a marathon in sub three hours. Yeah. What was, your exa- what was your exact time when you qualified? So it was two hours, 57 and whatever seconds. I, f- I forget the That's insane. So you just made it in kind of like. Well, so, yeah, yeah. So I had a couple minutes to spare. Yeah, like yeah. Almost three minutes to spare. That's that's really good, actually. Mm-hmm. That's and that's so fast. Like, yeah. That's a sprint. That's all we can run. Almost my, like a sprint for My this. fastest 10K is 42 minutes. Okay, that's that's great, though. That's a 10K. Mm-hmm. Downhill 10K. So, so really interesting one. So there's kind of like a loophole that you can do to get into uh, New York which is an even more challenging kind of uh, like threshold. I've even tried, sorry, not to cut you off. I've even tried yeah. to sign up for the New York half and it's like impossible to sign up too. Okay. Like those ones fill, they, you have to, like they fill up really fast. Uh, yeah, or New like York. lottery system. Yeah, exactly. We're signing yeah. up for one next year. Let's just book it. I've too. tried. Sorry, continue. Yeah, yeah. Cut you so, off. I want to do something. So, so to get into New York, you have to run, I think a 252 marathon, at least like if you're my age and my gender. 
And that is just way too fast. Or like if I did it, it would be too much of a commitment because let, let's face it, like it's trade-offs. So yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, well I can do it, but do I want to trade off all my social life and like maybe a bit of career and maybe like other personal things that I'm focusing yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, I'm not ready to do that big a commitment. So I found out about, you can do a half marathon to qualify for the full marathon, the New York full marathon. Uh, and you just have to run it really fast but it's better because it's less training and it's uh, less kilometers in the race. Yeah. So I ended up doing that in an hour and 20 minutes and I forget the seconds, but like hour and 20 minutes and that breaks, We're on a 10K like that. <laughs> that breaks down to three minutes and 49 seconds, uh, a kilometer, something like that. Dude, that's insane. That's so fast. That is for mm -hmm. sure elite. Like that's, that's fast. That, that's yeah. crazy. That's that, Yeah. That's, <clears throat> that's uh, crazy. When you run, sorry, and just what shoes do you do? You have a specific shoe you run in, or do you did change by race? Like, well, so I was a Nike Pacer, which is not like right, a right. big title, but it basically meant that you work for Nike, you're a part time kind of uh, employee, and you led runs downtown, and you were kind of uh, a good enough runner that you could pretty much run at any pace and then lead these groups. And so I did that. And that basically made me a diehard Nike fan. And I actually almost didn't order this jacket because <laughs> it's uh, not Nike. I support that. Yeah. I'm a Nike guy, but that's a sick jacket. I would, yeah, I would wear that I jacket know. for sure. I really, and I don't know if it's Adidas or Adidas. So can <laughs> 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 we just get cl clarification on that? I think it's Adidas. Yeah. Unless, you're, unless you're from Germany. I think it was invented in Germany, right? Adidas? I have no idea. That is Adidas. Adidas. Yeah. Adidas. And, uh, well, anyways, yeah, I'm glad I ordered it too. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm diehard Nike, so always Nike, Nike everything. And so you when bought it comes the, to sorry to cut shoes, you off though, you bought those crazy like three hundred dollars shoes, didn't you? Yeah, those so really the four percent. Yeah, mm -hmm. I have. Wait, which ones you have? The Alpha Fly or the Next Percent? I don't have the Next Percent. I have kind of the model before that, I believe. The one that Elliot Kipchoge broke the record, like the, the, that. So what, wasn't that the Next Percent? That's the Next Percent. Yeah. The ones before that. Sorry, the, you said the four percent you had. Yeah. The yeah, 4%. yeah. Those are the ones that came up first. Those are sick. Yeah. Elliot Kipchoge felt was like Fast. that's when he he ran in those and he ran a two hour two minute marathon on the Monza track. Yeah. And then the Next Percent came out next, and that's when he broke in Vienna the sub two hours. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I love how you can pronounce his name. Elliot Kipchoge. That's he's like sick. He's one of my favorite. So yeah. I actually bought the newest ones, the Alpha Fly Next Percent. I'm not that fast. They yeah. do make you faster, though. I'll tell you. Like yeah. I, so a very like rudimentary explanation of them. It's almost like they have like a springboard in the the heel, and so when you're running, it's kind of like pushing you forward. Yeah. So I actually do stand by them and would say if anyone wants to run a faster marathon. Like yeah, get those shoes. Yeah, they have the you hear that it's people. A, it's a carbon footplate, and actually a lot of it's you know there's obviously a lot of controversy around them because people they're are saying illegal? Yeah, yeah, no, they're not because they're not. But the thing is, is that so when Elliot Kipchoge broke the world record, he wore those, and then a lot of runners started wearing them. But people who are like um, marathoners who are sponsored by like Adidas, uh, Puma, whoever it is. We're at a disadvantage because the shoes were proven to reduce like your friction and your your propulsion, everything. So the statistically, the next percents, all these, the next percent, the four percent, next percent, and Alpha Fly, they prove that wearing them will make you faster. Like it's like a bit of a performance enhancer. So people, but if sponsors were at a disadvantage, so they were getting pissed. So. I think there was some of them were now started just wearing full, like let's say Adidas, but they would wear the Nikes and just block out all the logos. So they were on the even playing field. And a lot of runners wanted them banned saying that, you know, carbon footprint's not legal, which 
personally, I think it's stupid because technology naturally evolves. Like yeah, bats man. and baseball Adidas, get better. Puma, Reebok yeah. get better. It's, it's, it's your own problem, right? But anyways, I thought it was really interesting. And I guess where I'm going with that is like, so I bought the ones, the newest ones. And my best time, if I run like, a, let's say, because I've only really worn them on a 5 or 10 K. I haven't worn them. I bought them for the marathon I was going to run in November. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't end up wearing them for that. But Yeah, the marathon. Uh, that, sorry, they're... The Athens Marathon. The Athens. So I bought that for I bought them for that reason, but I was trying to build up to break them in, and yeah. my like good 10k pace would be like, like really good, be like five minutes 15, five minutes thirty or something. I was at the point I think I did like 8k at like a 4:59 pace in those things. Like I was like nice. flying, and I was like wow these, and I did, and you don't feel it because the carbon footplate like pushes you. I was like wow, okay, I'm probably running at my average pace, and when I stopped like on my app, I was like wow. I am fast, <laughs> but that, the shoes definitely do help. I love that. Yeah. Let's go back to the Ironman. We, we took a little bit of a detour well, here. Well, no, wait. Well, the reason I, this, we got into the segues, I wanted to find the all base yeah, like yeah. those times, right? So you said the marathon. Sub three-hour marathon. Yeah. What um, about swim? Yeah. So for the swim then, like what do you swim? The so, 2K you did for the half Ironman, what did you swim for the – what was your time for the swim? Yeah, so – so for the 4K swim in the Ironman? Yeah. So I think I did that in hour 20 or hour 30, which actually isn't fast. The swim is kind of just like you want to get through it. You got to get you got to finish it. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of <clears throat> people actually are kind of scared of the uh scared of the swim, which makes no sense cuz it's actually pretty chill. It could even <laughs> be seen as the best part. Is it going? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, good. Yeah, I just I had uh, to fix it. Cool. So it's even the best part of it. Because I, I didn't mind in the ocean. I was freaking out. I was like, oh my God, shark infested waters. I'm going to get eaten. <laughs> but then I realized that it's in Mexico and it's sunny and it's nice. And I actually just went out there and I kind of just coasted at my own pace. And there's, I, I don't know the stat, so I can't even say there's a stat out there. But it's something like the winner of the swim hardly ever wins the triathlon. And it basically, the point is you're better to just make it up on the bike or make it up on the run because you can make up so much time on the bike. Whereas if you put all that time training time into swimming, swimming yeah. you'd save a couple seconds, <clears throat> you'd save a few seconds or maybe a few minutes, but bikes you can save on the bike. You can save 10 minutes on the run. You wow. can save like just a lot of time is, yeah, is yeah. basically what I'm saying. And so that's why I kind of just coasted through the swim. So you're swimming in general, leading up to the Ironman. You didn't train as, you didn't put as much emphasis on your swim training. So yeah. Can we just talk about the training? So yeah. I, if people, if people say how hard was the Ironman, I would counter and I would rephrase the question. I would say, you mean how hard was the training for the Ironman? Okay. Because that's just like the event, but it's, it's all the journey. You know, like when people see you, when people see you do the race, like they're only looking at the cake. They're not looking at how the cake's made. Yeah. I like that. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that your quote from last last episode? <laughs> I think I said it once. I was just like, honestly, I heard that. And I I'm remember like, you said you can't have your cake, you need it too. I said it on an episode like random. I think I did. And I was like, yeah, you know, so the cake is made. I made something up and we're like, there's a random quote. I forgot about I like that. Yeah, that. I heard it and I was like, I'm going to bake that one <laughs> into this podcast. I love it. I forgot about so, that. I think I did say that <laughs> on an episode. Yeah, yeah. So, you were Anthony Ricciardi, one of you. I think I, I think I did. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Anyways, so yeah. the training, Michelle will fact check that. The training is actually the most difficult part. And during peak training, you're training almost 24 hours a week. So you're giving a day of your week away, or even more if you're talking about uh, awake hours, you could be giving almost a day and a half of your week away. So squeezing that in 
to your schedule when you work full time, when you have a family, when you have kids, when you have other responsibilities, that is really hard to do. Luckily, I didn't have any of that at the time. So, <laughs> so I was luckily I was just kind of hanging up by myself. I was able to do that. So well, so obviously I had a full time job, but like I didn't have the other more difficult, mm -hmm. like cumbersome responsibilities. So I'll walk you through the schedule really quickly. So Monday was rest day, which is why I love Mondays. Tuesday was you wake up, you do a two hour bike ride and then you work a full day and you finish with a two hour run. Wednesday is the swim day. So this kind of answers your swim question where you would swim up to four kilometers. And so I wasn't like the best swimmer. So maybe that's a two hour swim session for me. Mm -hmm. Thursday is the same as Tuesday. Wake up, do a two hour bike ride. Work. Work. Yeah. Get through the day and then finish with the two hour run. Friday was another swim day. Saturday was your eight hour bike ride where you run for 15 minutes after just to like teach yourself how to run after a long bike Sorry, ride. Sorry, how long do you bike ride on Saturdays? Yeah. Eight hour bike ride on Saturdays. Do yeah. You, are you going, is that just like to get the time on the bike? Or are you actually like, like training hard, booking it for eight hours? Or is how it a mix? Going eight so hours? I think that's to build up the endurance. But at the same time, you're probably like not taking it casually. You're, you're probably trying to hit your paces. How, how far are you traveling in eight hours? So I would bike to Muskoka from Toronto. What the fuck? It's a good 200, 300K. So Muskoka, I would leave from north of the city. So I could actually get to it in probably uh, 180. But yeah, you're right. It's, it's probably 200 kilometers is a good estimate. And that's about an hour bike ride. That's how long it takes. Yeah, that's and, crazy. And then uh, you you could do but it. It's a nice. You could do it faster. Like you Bro, could probably insane. do it in six hours. But you, wait, so how many Saturdays did you do this? Like, so let me just finish with yeah, Sunday, yeah, yeah. and then I'll get into it. Sunday is pretty much a triathlon. Like you combine all three components. Aren't you gassed? Uh, you just run on a bike for eight hours. This guy ran 16K, still drunk. I think he can he can survive a couple days of bike. <laughs> exactly. That's that's <laughs> my point. Superhuman. If you if you do that, everything is easier. It's afterward. relative, right? I've, yeah. I've always wondered how triathletes train because or like yeah. Ironman because it's literally a full day event. Mm -hmm. So basically, you just follow the training schedule, and I just kind of stated two months out, which is the most difficult part of the training. And so it could add up to maybe 24 hours of your week, but the month before, let, let's say three months out or four months out, you might only be allocating. 10 to 15 hours. So it, it's actually somewhat manageable for some of the training session. Uh, it's only difficult two months out and like around that period. Mm -hmm. So you kind of build up and then so two months out the month before, are you still going to 24 hours or are you scaling downwards? Uh, or are you scaling yeah, up you still? You taper, right? Yeah, the, yeah. The month before. Okay. So that's still probably 15, 15 hours per week where you're kind of doing the same schedule, just not as long. So yeah. maybe only an hour bike ride in the morning and then like an hour run. Yeah. After that's still crazy. But like, I mean, like working out two hours in the morning, two hours in the evening, like, I'm not discount that it's not hard. Like, I mean, people, if they wanted to do it, you could do that and, and train because people go to the gym, like you spend, you know, two hours working out in the gym kind of thing. Like just adding an extra one in the morning. I mean, the eight hour bike rides and then a try the next day is kind of crazy for, I think for the average person. But yeah, so you would, so you'd bike to Muskoka on the Saturday and then do a triathlon in Muskoka on the Sunday. Yeah, pretty much. Jesus. That's what, insane. Wait, and when was this? When did you do Cabo City? I actually did it a long time ago. I did it when I was 27. So I'm 31 now. 
2017. Yeah. And, uh, 16. And yeah, so it is kind of a while ago, but like, I think yeah. if anything, I've gotten stronger since then. That was before I qualified for Boston or qualified for New York. So if anything, I think I crush Ironman even yeah. more so. I, go ahead, Rick. I was going to say, what's your diet consist of when you're like, when you're doing an eight hour bike ride? Yeah. Like, so are you just eating anything and everything? Honestly, at the end of the day, I almost want to throw this question back at you because I feel like when you're doing, when you're doing marathons and triathlons, I'm literally just eating everything. Yeah, I'm okay, eating very right. healthily. Like I will always eat right. I just won't eat the right amounts, you know? And so I actually did come up with the goal that I want to hit 9% body fat just to see how it feels, you know? Like get to how, sub 10%. How much body fat do you have now? I feel like you're at that. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not because I, I frequently hit kind of, I don't know what the label is, but it's like a compensation effect where whenever I expend or burn 4,000 calories, I'm eating them back. Yeah. So I will never be able to train for a marathon or Ironman and actually get in the best shape of my life because I'm eating such large quantities. So I know you qualified, no, you didn't qualify. You won that contest way back in the day, like Mr. Italy or something Mr. like Chin, that. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Chin, yeah. No big deal. Mr. So Chin, yeah. how do you eat for something like that? It just, it doesn't make sense to me so, how you can yeah, train so hard and then also eat well. So yeah. that was different because I was basically eating, I'm not going to lie, I ate chicken and asparagus five times a day. That was it. That was all I ate. And I was still so drinking. Five times a day or yeah. five days a week? Five times a day. Five? Just, I was eating chicken and asparagus five times a day. How many, how many calories would that have been? I don't know. I just, I had those you know, like small properly portioned uh, containers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It would have like six pieces of asparagus, seven pieces of asparagus, of asparagus and one chicken breast. How long were you doing that for? I did that for about two months. Okay, and I was, that, when I was five, drinking. Yeah. That's all you ate for two months? Basically. Wow, like I'd have you. a cheat meal every now and then and yeah. you know, but that was my main meal. Good for you. That would, sometimes you sub out the chicken for the, uh, sorry, the asparagus for broccoli. Sometimes it's about the chicken for fish or steak. But no carbs. I've, I was eating very little carbs, little to no carbs. How do you function? Mind you, there's, there's like carbs in asparagus, I think. Yeah, like complex yeah, carbs, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. not like... But it's not, like a, heavy, it's not a heavy carb. Yeah, yeah, because I was just trying to cut down. And when I was drinking, I was only drinking vodka water meal. I'd put a splash. I'd go to the bar, not going to lie. I remember going to Fiction Nightclub with my own meal. Like, you know those little... You yeah. spray them in your drinks. And Bouncer looks at me. He's like, what is it? I'm like, man, I'm on a diet. He goes, what? I was like, I can't... Like, I, I need. I can only drink vodka waters. He's like, so what the hell is this? And I'm like, it's to make the water taste like something because there's no calories in meal in some of them. So that's what I would do. I was drinking vodka water meal or vodka water with splay and I'd squeeze like three or four lemons or limes into yeah. it. You were, you were training, but that's your training for like a physical fitness competition for yeah, aesthetics. Yeah. Do you so think? That, that's just for the aesthetics, exactly. It's not yeah. for like, right, I wasn't that, strong. That was, when I was training for this, I wasn't was my strong next question. Yeah. yeah. I was going to ask, do you think you could do that to train for like if you were doing no. a race or anything no. like that? No, when I was training for the uh, the triathlon, I did so. I I, was some, I only trained for about eight, seven or eight weeks prior to the uh, the Toronto triathlon, and I was eating heavy on days the night before a big training day. I would eat like crazy carbs. I'd have like a plate of just rice and beans, a yeah. massive plate of rice and beans, or I'd have three bagels before I went to bed, just because I needed the extra energy in the morning, and uh, and I was eating pretty healthy good portion size of you know good meat a good vegetable and a good carb every meal but i was eating balanced i think the, the more important part was not to eat high sodium foods or like junk foods or crappy foods so i cut out all pop i cut out all candy i cut out fried food um like heavy processed food i try to cut out but that's it like yeah 
Mind you, again, I'm not a real athlete. You are a real athlete. Well, so just to answer your question, I would say the whole nutrition component is like uncharted territory for me. I still need to do a lot of research to like figure that. That's the difference between the 257 and 252. Yeah. It's the nutrition part. Exactly. Man, you got to hit up Andy DeSantis. That's it. Do you, um, do you think like the way you perform naturally like if you, good foods will produce better but do you think it'll make a substantial difference if you start to focus more like let's say you know another iron man if you focus more on your diet you think you can improve your times it'll make a substantial difference or like are you someone that like you can eat a big mac and go run and it, you still feel the same as if you had like salmon and go run like how are you with when it comes yeah to it'll probably make a difference but i think in a very kind of like um, rudimentary way, I think I'll just be lighter. Like I'll be in better shape and yeah. I'll be lighter, like less fat to carry around during the race, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but with that being said, even though I don't know about nutrition kind of like during training, I definitely know about nutrition leading up to the race and then during the race. And so I'll be drinking sports energy drinks all through the week before I'll be eating tons of like carbs to kind of like carb load, which like it's a common misconception that you eat a bunch, like a big bowl of pasta or whatever. You're not actually eating more calories than you normally would. You're just substituting the protein and fat for carbs. So you actually should be eating low amounts of protein, low amounts of fat, and then uh, substituting carbs for the rest. And you don't just do it the night before. That again is a skewed kind of way of thinking. You have to do it for the whole week you actually like get a little bit of a bloat going on because like carbs kind of fills up your muscles like for some reason i just the glycogen storage yeah, yeah, yeah exactly more water into them like i have more I uh, water no, weight or right, something yeah. going on yeah uh and then a big a big part of actually what got me from i was running probably like 320 marathons before what got me 20 minutes faster is I obviously trained way harder i followed a plan but the day of the race i um i I wake up, I eat oatmeal, I start drinking sports drink. I really like uh, hydrate and fuel my body. And then you have to stop like an hour and a half before something like that. And that's because if you keep on drinking, you're going to have to go to the bathroom during the race, which I've done before. It's going to bring down your time. And then also you take a, a gel pack. I, I like tap endurance. It's kind of just maple syrup. And oh, cool. so you take that kind of strategically to give you that uh, initial kind of fuel right before the race. And then I pop caffeine pills. That's like the secret. And you do that throughout the race as well. And honestly, a lot of people talk about hitting the walls in marathons and Bonking I, or whatever. I, yeah, yeah, I find that if you kind of keep up a steady flow of caffeine pills, as well as a nutrition like gel packs and uh, hydrating, um, you're less likely to be bothered by the wall. You still hit it, yeah. but you're able to kind of just like circumvent it, like go around it and be like, cool, I notice you, but I'm still going to keep going. <laughs> I, I never so even look at caffeine it. pills. Yeah, no, they talk about that. One of the reasons- I, I feel like we should have had them on before we ran the marathon. This would have helped. Probably should have trained with him. I mean, we yeah. can't keep up with him, but he probably would have helped motivate us. Yeah, yeah, we definitely should have done that. Um, the, one of the things that's interesting about nutrition too, and the reason I had asked that question about would you feel different is because- um, when I was training for this marathon, I would do, um, I would run my long runs on the weekends up at like up in Innisfil. My parents have a place on, on Lake Simcoe, very hilly, but I would do my long runs there cause just country road forever. Um, and I remember, uh, when I was building up, I found this good, uh, I found a book. I'm going to mess the guy's name up. It's like Hal Groenfeld or something. He's like one of the top ultra marathon runners in the world. There's like two guys who just switch between one and two. And this guy's like kind of the second best one, I guess. And anyways, he talks about like a lot of 
misconceptions like carb, carb loading, all that stuff. He also talks about training, stretching, all these things. And one of the topics that he brings up is like nutrition and how some runners can like eat whatever they want and still perform the best. Some have to be very strict on their diet and very meticulous. And he brought up a point that when he runs, like you said, he tapers, uh, he, like he doesn't eat leading up to the race. And like while he's running, he'll do the same thing. Strategically take packs, which what we did when yeah. we ran. But the guy who's the best ultra marathon runner in the world, I think it's a French guy, can't remember his name. When he runs ultras, he will eat whatever, like donuts before everything. He'll run, and then mid-race, he'll stop. And while this guy, while Hal is eating, like, bananas and, like, good stuff for sustenance, this guy literally, his meal is a, a whole burrito. Like, picture going to Burrito Boys, taking a whole burrito, eating it, and just taking off again good at the plug, same pace. plug, Burrito Boys. You hear that? That was a nice plug. Threw that one in there. But, yeah. So, like, he'll eat, like, a heavy meal in the middle of a, of a race and just keep back at his 430 pace or something, which is which is insane. Yeah, so So, wild. some people just perform, I guess, I, I don't know, maybe... And that's why I was asking if you're like that because like I need to be very strategic with what no, I, when so I run. But. I, I would just break it down quickly. I feel like for running at least, and maybe this applies to triathlons as well, I, I was kind of thinking of it in my mind um, because you're, you're going to have runners on this show who it's their full-time job that they're running coaches or like they run marathons at two hours and 10 minutes, you know, like really, really elite athletes. Um, and I feel like where I put myself, let's say there's like, three parts to training for a marathon there's the like putting in the time which you you need to do you need to hit that weekly mileage um in order to be able to actually do the race so there's putting in the time which is just running then there's like strategic training like the strategy behind the running that part i'm not good at like you will get way better answers from from the people who i was just referencing like yeah. who do it as their full-time job and then the last part is is mindset where you can do the first two and nail it but if you don't have a good mindset you're gonna hit that wall you're gonna start feeling pain and you gonna be like you know what i can't keep up this pace or i can't finish the race and mindset i think is like where i kill it like where i kick ass is like mindset because i did so many dumb things when I was younger that it kind of <laughs> built it up in my mind. So I think like when you ask me about when you ask me about nutrition, I feel like I won't have a great answer to that because I'm sure. pretty casual about it. But I do put in the time. I do have a good uh, mental mindset, and then I do follow the training plans. Which if you ever want to be a really good runner, you need to get your hands on a good schedule. You can get a coach if you want. They will, they will help. I've never had a coach. Um, but training plans actually build you up so that you like become the athlete who's capable of doing the race in the, the time that you want. Yeah. That's really interesting. Actually. I like how you put that. I, I never, I, I mean, I'm sure we've kind of talked kind of like that, but never really thought about it where there's a three things like the food, the training, and then the, the mindset. I mean, we've kind of, touched on that before yeah, yeah. but the mindset but that's really good way to look at it and i think that honestly to your point i i do think that is one of the biggest things like i mean i don't think i'm like the most in shape person um you know my diet wasn't great ricky on the other side his training wasn't great but maybe his, his diet was better and the mindset and i think at the end of the day i think what makes a real game changer is we said this last time we talked about the recap like mindset i think is probably the biggest honestly probably the biggest factor like training i think is probably second but like people underestimate that like their ability to do it because of their mindset and like i think a lot more people could or should or should or could or you know um can run and do these things but they look at it like the training is the hardest and the nutrition's so hard but i really think like that to your point if you have that last one figured out the rest can kind of fall into place Agreed. which is really important yeah I think a lot of people don't. Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, I want to tell a random funny story from. Um, maybe it's not even funny, actually. You mentioned <laughs> caffeine pills, and it triggered something in my mind. So I went to Chentro Scuola in grade 11 or grade 10. 
So Cento Scuola is this big uh, summer program where you get a credit in Italian and you go to Italy for three weeks. So you do two, uh, three weeks of summer school and then you go to Italy for three weeks and you get a credit. So a lot of people do it, especially like St. Mike's guys and a lot of people in Woodbridge do it. So we went there and there was this girl on this trip and I, I was trying to think of her name and I can't remember it. She got kicked off the trip because she had caffeine pills. Wow. And we're all like, why? Like they're caffeine pills. They, these are over the counter. Coffee. Yeah. And they're like, oh no, this is, this is drugs. It's compared to like eight cups of coffee. And the girl's like, you literally buy this over the counter. She got kicked off the trip. And I remember telling my mom this story. My mom was like, if they kicked you off for having caffeine pills, I'd, I'd fly out there and kick them out. Elaine would lose yeah. it. <laughs> like, have I ever told the story about the time I got in trouble? No, but trip? it is pretty funny. I don't isn't know if you told it. Isn't it like the time that you had a breezer on a trip? And oh, yeah. Your mom's like, your mom's like, did I tell it on the podcast? Or yeah, did yeah, I tell you personally. Yeah, I think it was on your mom's podcast, which, by the way, I love that one. Man, I love how you listen to that. You're great, man. You're firing us. This guy's just bumping our thighs. They were laughing like the whole time. It was so great to hear. And I love how thick your mom's accent yeah. is <laughs> Sofia Vergara yeah, that's, yeah. that's her I knew that you were Italian and Brazilian that's your mix yeah yeah so yeah so I just like had never really like put two and two together and then hearing her I was like oh yeah. that's so crazy yeah. Yeah. Our, our moms is you know it's still our I think it's number nine or tenth most downloaded episode shout out to them shout, shout out, out to all our moms yeah, all the moms <laughs> that listen as well shout out to all of you but yeah that was uh that was a really funny story when I got yeah. um, but anyways uh, if I've told then then glad the, the listeners know that story uh, I want to finish this triathlon. Yeah, so I think we kind of touched on all the stuff about like the training that aspect. Yeah. So I guess let's jump back into the story now. Take like, us yeah, like race like day race or day. Yeah, like, well, race week. Well, I guess even like to preface it a little bit. So do a triathlon in another country. You got to pack all your stuff. You got to bring your bike with you. All these things. I'm Holy assuming like I didn't even think about. Yeah, that. like you have to pack all this stuff down. Is that is that? I mean. Is that easy to do? Is not like a hard part getting your bike to ship down all that? Yeah, how, how, how do you ship down a bike? You put it on a flight. You put it as fragile. Like, do, do you have like a bike case? Yeah. So cases go for around maybe five hundred dollars. Oh, so they're all. Okay. But well, I don't do enough traveling with my bike to justify having a case. So I just went to the bike shop and I was like, "Hey, what should I do?" And they're like, "Oh, we rent cases, fifty bucks for a week. So okay. it's actually pretty practical for things that's like that." Pretty, that's actually really yeah. Yeah, that's and then uh, unfortunately, um, kind of shameful to say, I don't know how to disassemble my bike. I've never really <laughs> taken it apart and put it back together. Uh, so I had them do it. So they charged me a service fee, but like it would be easy easy enough to just Google it put it in the case, take it down, uh, maybe buy a case if you're diehard enough. And then the transportation isn't that big a deal. I, I don't know if you have to pay for it. Extra yeah, 50 on the bucks flight or something. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, yeah, like it was pretty comfortable going down there and um, Los Cabos is so, be so beautiful that it's like, it wasn't weird getting, it's not like it's a foreign place that I felt uncomfortable in. I was like, yes, I'm in paradise. <laughs> and my parents came down. So like, obviously that's just a bonus. And, uh, and then, yeah, so I, I would say initially, uh, from like a conceptual standpoint, you're kind of like, Ooh, traveling with my bike, that's going to be so burdensome, but it's really actually easy to just figure out. And then it's worth it. So the logistics of like getting down there, once you committed to get down there and all that stuff, like that part, no real roadblocks get in there. You get there and everything's all like pretty yeah. straightforward and stuff like that. Yeah, it's well organized too. So okay. as I was saying, I don't know how to put my bike back together again. And I had to do that on that end. So I just went to a bike shop and I'm like, hey, can you help me out? And I'm pretty sure they even had one on site. Yeah, that yeah was they usually doing do. Yeah. It for everyone else. So it was it was really seamless. And uh, yeah, so if you, you want, I can get into race day. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I was just going to say. Yeah. Cool. So like you fly that one a couple days ahead, maybe two or three days ahead of time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's and Cabo too, so try and stretch it out just, yeah, as, you're as long as I can. Where and and in Cabo, where is like where specifically is the race, and where do you go? Like, 
So I don't actually have great answers to that question. Like I just remember we were in like more of a historic district, okay. like Old Town almost. And uh, we just literally did the race around that area. And because you have to bike so far, you're like biking on the highway through a, through a desert. But I, I couldn't tell you like where that desert Fair. was. So r race day, you, I guess you're up at what, 4 or 5 a.m.? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Start, take us the whole day. Yeah, okay, so just quickly, the day before, they make you do a sprint triathlon as like you're like, uh, like in the training schedule. So I'm like doing the sprint triathlon. And I'm like, why am I doing this when I have this crazy race the next day? But supposedly that's like what you're able to do even when you're tapering. So I just thought that was like kind of hilarious. What's a sprint triathlon? So there's Olympic triathlon, which is what most people yeah, do. Yeah, well, that's what I did. Yeah. But then half that, like half all the so it's, distances. It's 750 swim, uh, 20K bike, 5K run, I think. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's like exactly. it's like an hour thing, not even. Yeah. For, well, for people like them, it's like not even an hour. Yeah. It's just funny because some people will train for that, which is no bad thing. But it's when you're doing a training schedule that's as like comprehensive and intense as the Ironman, it's like, oh, and by the way, we're just going to make you do a sprint try the day before. The day before, yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, race day, wake up early, which um, just just a side note. I do this. I go to this gym downtown note. called One Academy. It's the best gym ever. I have to give it a plug. Where, where is such it? Great Yo, people. give them a plug. Uh, Leslie and Queen, uh, Queen East. What's it called? Uh, One Academy. One Academy. Yeah, I ran by there. I ran down that street. I did it like 11k. Lot couple. We were literally ago. there. We ran by there on our yeah. Thing. It's Leslie it's, and Queen. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, that was that was the marathon day. Sorry. Yeah. It's this amazing warehouse. Jesse, the lead trainer, is the best shout out uh, jesse yeah he's so great he's like a professional obstacle course racer and he's so intense and he makes all his workouts so intense which is why they're like the best um and so so the the point there <laughs> oh yeah yeah sorry the point there was about waking up early like you you kind of you kind of mentioned like oh so you had to wake up early on race day but the thing is he does a 5 15 jesse does a 5 15 a.m class that you have to wake up at 4 30 a.m to do so everyone who's diehard at the gym which i'm in that this boat, guy I, this I, guy i kid you not like i'm getting up at 4 30 a.m for like weeks at a time to hit his class wow. and it's a no for me, dog. COVID, COVID recently gone the way of that. And now that I wake up later in the morning, I'm like, I actually kind of like it more yeah. <laughs> to like wake up later yeah, yeah. because like the whole 4.30 a.m. wake up, uh, I feel like it's slightly unnecessary for like someone in my position. Like yeah. you read articles or whatever that CEOs, big companies will like wake up at 4.30 a.m. And it's like, okay, I'm not there yet. Yeah. So I don't have to be pushing myself like, like I'm in that position. But what's great about that, that workout class is anytime there's a race and you have to wake up at some stupid early hour, it's like, Hey, I've woken up way earlier before for this yeah, guy's yeah. class. So we, we got up around like, let's just say 5am on race day, you go, your bike's already kind of parked in the bike area. And then you go to the ocean, which is where you start the race. You wait for like your age group to go. And then you start the 4k swim the year before uh, they were saying that there was two feet high, two foot high swells that 
prevented people from seeing the markers or, or the boys that kind of outline the route. And a lot of people didn't finish because it was so wavy and so crazy. Holy and shit. the announcer is just like, hey, guys, just want to let you know that this year it's crystal flat and you should be really lucky that it's not last year. And so the swim was actually the most enjoyable part. I just literally yeah. cruised it <laughs> and I got a pretty solid time. It was like an hour 20, hour 30. And so what if I lost 10 minutes or whatever? I just got on the bike and tried to make, make it up then. You know, it's funny you mentioned that, that you cruise the swim. I was a captain of my swim team in high school. Like I was a legit a swimmer. Yeah. Like a pretty good one too. Four, actually. Fourth in offset, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. I, man, man, I all love, the episodes. This is amazing. I love this, man. Yes, yeah, so I finished fourth and offset. I was the captain of the swim team, yeah. Um, and the swim was hands down the most brutal thing I've ever done in my entire life. Yeah. I'd rather so, run a marathon. So wait, what, I would what, rather run a marathon on no training than swim oh, wow, 1.5K really? open water. Wow. I thought it was hands down the worst thing I've ever, like really? single individual event I've ever done in my entire life. Because of the swim or because of Lake Ontario or what was the reason? So I'd think? never swam in open water before. So I got in there and like, I, I honestly, I'm not gonna lie, I panicked. Like I for sure panicked. I'm looking down, I see the seaweed. Oh, I I'm, a shark's gonna come eat me. Like there's fish here, the piranha, something. Like <laughs> I was in my head 100%. And then I didn't stretch properly because I'm like, yeah, I'm in, I'm in some of the best shape of my life. I'm gonna kill this swim. Yeah, no, did not. So I should have stretched, did not stretch. So I had a leg cramp. My first was my left leg, then my right leg, then both legs. And I was basically like a fish out of water at that point. Yeah. Like I was just like flinging my arms around, just trying not to die, like backstroking it. Who backstrokes in a triathlon? Like this idiot. But yeah, so hands down, it took me, I was projected to do it in 23 minutes is what I did it in a pool. So I was like, you know what? 27, I can do it open water. And uh, it took me, I think it was 44 minutes. Yeah. Wow. Terrible. Mm -hmm. Terrible. That definitely is surprising. Cause like you were a swimmer back in high school, right? Good. Yeah. And then. I feel like it's not that big of a transition into, was it, it open water? So it was did? open water. It was like kind it's of Ontario, like dirty water. Yeah. And it was raining. Okay, and yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. that's fully mental. Like yeah. if I stretch and I was, if I maybe trained one or two times in open water, I probably could easily shave five minutes. Like no, maybe even 10 minutes. No questions asked. See if I did a triathlon, which I, I do want to do one day, I would rather go some, I would never personally Lake Ontario could never swim. I don't like lakes in general. Yeah. Like, I would rather go to the ocean and have to maybe deal with waves. I know it sounds stupid because it's probably a lot harder with the waves coming at you than the swell. But I just like, I need to be able to see the bottom. Like I can swim. I'm not a strong swimmer, but like I grew up like whatever, swimming my whole life. And, and uh, like, I'm not scared. Of it. I wouldn't do well by any means, but I could, I could, I think I could handle it. Uh, but yeah, I can't, like I would never want to go into Lake Ontario. Just the thought of it freaks me out. Like I'd be the same as you, like not seeing the bottom. I hate that. No, you could see the bottom and you just, you just, it was bad. It was like just <laughs> was algae bad. and like, bad. I don't know, just like, it was gross and I'm in my head and then my goggles got fogged up, which never happened in, when I swam in a swimming pool. So I'm like taking them off, like trying to clean them, <laughs> sucking them back onto my face. You know, like, that's, like, what, that's what messes you up, right? Once you take them off once, it's game over. No, I had them, but then you're treading water to put these freaking stupid goggles back on. And like, I'm trying not to die because I'm treading water with one leg and my one hand because I'm using the other hand to put the goggle. But it was just hell. It was honestly hell. All right, so we've established that the swimming part is not yeah. fun, but for Blake, when you but cruise, Blake, so Blake casually so cruise 4K, <laughs> cruise 4K, which is like an hour and forty, an hour and twenty insane. minutes. Okay, okay yeah. so finish it, that. It also did was, you have a wetsuit by the way? No, because it was so hot that oh, I yeah, think yeah. they pulled the plug last second. They were like, "Hey guys, like it's not wetsuit legal," and I I believe it was due to temperature. Um, Wait, why wouldn't it be? Isn't it well, the an black option? attracts? The black would attract a lot of heat. No? So if I had my wetsuit on, it's like a thick one. I would have overheated it for sure. Oh, so that oh, it so they, it's like a health thing then. 
Yeah. So, so maybe I have to look into the exact reason. I just remember that it was almost like a game di- game time decision okay. and they pulled the plug and they were like, no wetsuits. And I was like, fuck, because that adds buoyancy and it gives you, there's like a stat out there, like 10% faster or 10% more efficient. So I've actually heard about the buoyancy and I didn't realize it because I didn't, I didn't do one. I just didn't want to buy one straight up. They were like yeah. 200 bucks or 300 bucks and I just, nope. So, but I, I read an article about the, a week or two before my triathlon that said that wetsuits literally have like it helps you shave off time yeah. and i was like how i'm like this if anything should if they're heavy they're like four or five pounds well it doesn't retain water right your yeah. body will naturally your body your your water sticks to you more than it would to a wetsuit to like a whatever the material is like um nylon or whatever it rubber is. whatever the yeah. suits are made out of yeah but like, still i didn't know there was a buoyancy to it yeah but they they're, say they're, they're sweet a, you want a race that allows you to wear a wetsuit for sure no, it is. Um, Next okay, I didn't know that. but should we get on to land? Yeah, let's go, yeah. Let's go out of the water land. onto land. Yeah. So basically, I get on the bike, uh, start the bike ride, and it kind of. What bike do you have? Sorry. I have a specialized shiv, so it's a tri bike with aero bars, which I got one too. Nice. Okay. I got a P3 Cervelo. Nice, nice. Yeah, that cool. is very nice. <laughs> so. Yeah, if people aren't really big into triathlons or, or even biking, you'll know that there's like road bikes and then there's tri bikes and tri bikes have the aero bars, which allow you to ride more aerodynamically and the wind kind of goes over you. Um, and and so it is kind of in your favor to get one or even put on clip on aero bars so you can be in that comfortable so position. So I had clip on aero bars for my, for my hybrid. Yeah. And in the middle of my, so I did the uh, ride to conquer cancer, which is the 200 kilometer bike ride from Toronto to um, Niagara Falls. It's yeah. for some, uh, for Princess Margaret, I think. And my arrow bars kept loosening. So I'd have to stop every pit stop at 20K to retighten them. It was the uh, so annoying. worst. So it, I've never done clip-ons, yeah. but I'm just it saying was, that uh, could if be you, If you're going to do clip-ons, make sure that you like super glue them and like put them on properly site because when they start dangling and you can't use them anymore it's a disaster so sorry continue okay so then i'm i'm riding my bike and it starts to hit me it's like oh great you're biking the mexican desert and it was meant to be 85 degrees like i looked up historical temperatures in cabo in late october and it was meant to be 85 degrees or something like that i'm like I can manage that. I think it got up to 110, 120 degrees even. So it's scorching. It's like, yeah. 40, it's like 40 something. Yeah, it was Celsius. the most intense thing ever. And there's people barfing on the side of the road. Everyone's getting heat stroke. You're in the desert. So it's not like there's shady parts. So it hits me. I'm like, okay, well, maybe signing up for this race in Mexico <laughs> wasn't a great idea. Like I literally just signed up for it so I could party on the beach afterward. That was my only reason, which I didn't end up doing. And, <laughs> and so uh, I do the bike ride and... It should have been done, at least for me, in maybe like six hours. That could have been a reasonable time frame for 180, which isn't even fast. Like, I feel like a lot of bikers will cruise through that way faster. No, that's good. That's a 30K an hour bike ride. Okay. That's still good. That's a yeah. <laughs> great Especially great, after a 4K swim. Great math, by the way. But, <laughs> but yes. So right? I don't know. I didn't yeah. even pay attention. That six hours, good. 180K? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 30K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Theory. I think I did mine in seven and a half, which is just like very slow but that's because everyone was kind of stopping taking breaks and uh and it wasn't it wasn't ideal but at the same time it's kind of it's like what's a race without a little bit of like added hardship thrown sure. in yeah. and so uh a couple things from the bike ride was they had all these mexican volunteers 
and it was really nice of them and stuff but they you could tell the only reason they really wanted to sign up was because you could like dunk participants in like water like they would dump buckets on them every time they came by and i was like oh that sounds tempting because it's so scorching out but what you realize is it gets you drenched and then like your shoes and socks will get wet and then you'll just be like biking with that and you'll be hearing the squeaking and stuff so i was like no like that absolutely is not happening um and so i made sure about that and then there was just the um because of that i i kind of avoided the water stations which is like you didn't want to do you're in the middle of the desert um and i just remember hitting this i think it was like a five kilometer climb it wasn't too intense but but i had no hydration on me and i was just doing this this climb um like of this hill and i was just dying it was like the hardest climb ever but then it was a loop and i knew that i would have to be doing that again so i never made that mistake again so in a nutshell the bike was just really hot. <laughs> <laughs> I just roasted but, but up there. that, like the 180K was like kind of cool to do. Yeah, otherwise. just casually cruise 180, no biggie. Yeah. Jesus, that's actually insane. So, in the middle of the desert too. So is there like, I just the like on a straight highway or is it like, a, is it, you said it's a loop? Uh, so it was a highway and it was out and back kind of both ways. It was almost like a pendulum. Like you went out and back one way, then you came back to the center point, went out and back the other way. And on that side, that was where this like five kilometer climb was. And someone had actually warned me about it. They were like, for whatever reason, it's like dead heat. Just be careful on that thing. And that's where I would see people barfing at the side of the road. That's crazy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, that's nuts. And 110 degrees too. Like insane. Do you, oh, I was going to ask, do you listen to music when you're, when you're on the bike? Or, and no, no. To. Yeah, it's illegal. It's illegal. In a triathlon? Yeah. At, you, at any point? You, you can get docked. On the bike and running? Yeah. You're not allowed to have it at all. So, so I That have sounds it. terrible. So they say it's a, one, it's because it's a, safety, um, it's a safety hazard. And two, if you get, there's like, there's full on rules for triathlons, right? So I know on the bike, you're not allowed to tail. Yeah. You're not allowed to tail or else they give you, it's a, I think it's a 30 second. For like drafting basically. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a 30 exactly. second stroke or something. If you pass someone, you have to full on clear them before you get, before you can uh, go back in front of them. You can't just like kind of cut in. You have to like clear them by like five or 10 meters or something. And then music, they can also dock you with as well. I, I did it with music though. So I got on my bike. I had my, my phone and my uh, headphones inside my bicycle and I wore a hat underneath my helmet. So I slipped in one earbud and I did the whole thing with my music on. I was like, I'm not. Yeah. They're gonna come for you, Rick. They know now. Okay, <laughs> Rick's tur- time is gonna turn hit. my three-hour triathlon into a three-hour and ten-minute one. I don't care. <laughs> like, so you bike eight-hour? Like that's crazy. No, no music, nothing. Yeah, it was pretty intense. And I think also with the headphones, when you, when you get into biking, you kind of learn how much communication is involved in the sport. So like even when you're passing someone, you'll be like on your left or whatever, yeah. and you even make motions that like the the pavement, like there's gravel or there's like potholes yeah, like or whatever. So you're constantly talking and communicating. So I I really do think the the whole earbuds and maybe there's other reasons for this is just because it hinders that ability to communicate. That's why I was so slow on my bike ride. Not talking to anybody. Um, okay, should so we get to the run? Let's go to the yeah. run. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, let's this this, this is your and this is your yeah. your strong part, right? Running yeah, is your yeah. Exactly. Okay. So oh wait, yeah. So that's so running is your forte. Like that's yeah. your best. 
Yeah. And okay. I'm glad you said that because actually running is my thing. So when I get to the end of a triathlon, a lot of people biking is their thing. It's what they crush at. And they have these like huge, massive thighs and like their legs are like pistons. That's not, that's <laughs> not my legs, case. pistons firing yeah. on all cylinders. But, but then they get to the run and they're like, Oh, well I kind of shot my legs, like went a little too hard and they, they have to get through a run and you'll see people running at a really slow pace or even walking. And for me, I finish and I'm like, Running is my thing. Now on to the best part. And then I just cruise the run. And it's not uncommon that I like literally just gun it for the really? rest. But for, for the Ironman, it was actually really tough. And the sun, like how I was referencing the temperature and the heat, it actually goes down. Because I did the race in 13 hours and 45 minutes, which is kind of long. But whatever, that's how it plays out. And the, the sun goes down. So it goes from a really hot day to kind of a cool day it actually gets cold and all the sweat on your body kind of starts to freeze and obviously i'm embellishing that a little bit but it really like you go from all this heat and sweat to like it all the sweat like kind of freezing on you and getting so cold and so uncomfortable and then you kind of have to endure through that and i i pretty much just like got through the marathon i think it took me like four hours and something um four and a half hours let's say Wow. And then I saved up a little bit of energy. So at the finish line, cause there's tons of people there. I just sprinted the like final 200 meters or whatever, maybe even 400. And I just remember the announcer commenting on that. Like he chirped me even. So I forget that exact <laughs> verbiage, but then he says, Blake Cronin, you are an iron man or like whatever the saying is. But that was probably the best feelings like you know how like you do amazing things in your life and climbing Kilimanjaro I've, I've done as well and that would be one of them for sure maybe we can talk a little uh, bit about yeah, okay. it um, but I would compare that finish line and that announcer saying your name and, and giving you that kind of title like Iron Man as like one of the best feelings I've felt that's awesome that is great that's cool honestly I I mean I my I can relate a little bit like subjectively i guess like i'd never obviously haven't done an iron man but i will say so to your point you brought up kilimanjaro that's the reason i started running is because after i climbed kilimanjaro i was like like it's like euphoria at the top right like you don't think i mean it's not super super tough but it's still something tough right so yeah. when i got up there i was like like you feel like holy shit i'm on top of like africa right? i'm on one of the highest mountains in the world you get that feeling and then when i did my first my first half marathon the same kind of finish like you're running up and i didn't know it was a massive finish line that like olympic podium style run up and when I crossed that line, it felt like someone shot me with adrenaline, uh, one needle of adrenaline, like every drug. I was like, I, you, you run across and it's like, you, I don't even, it's impossible to explain because yeah. you only really feel it when you do stuff like that, that you like, that just is so grueling mentally, physically, and you didn't think you can kind of do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like that, I, I kind of know what you mean, not on that level, like I'm not as crazy yeah. as you, but yeah, it's a really, really well, cool I'm, thing. Well, I'm looking forward to that feeling next year when we do the um, Athens Marathon together. Buddy, I'm let's, hundred. Let's, I'm already signed up. I just deferred my. I deferred my sign up. So if you want to go, you stay at my place in Greece. Come, yeah. come on down. Brief pit stop at uh, Nyada. Nyada. What? Yeah. You like you Blake, you're honestly too much, man. That's all. Man. dude. If my parents hear this episode, you reference it. The, the door <laughs> oh, is open. Come stay man. whenever you want. I love this. No, if you honestly, I won't be able to keep up I, with you. But if you do, so. I, I want to do that one because I... Uh, that's like, the OG. I, man. That's I, that I run for the town of Marathon yeah, where the exactly. world was invented. Like, I knew the story before you said it, but like you obviously said it in a really good way. And it's... That's where marathons were invented from yeah. like, wasn't it like a battle or something? And yeah. So the, the original one, I don't remember the exact story, but the original one is it's a messenger 
Um, I think it was not when the Turks were invading or something like that. I get a butcher this for sure, but um, he ran from Marathon. I think he actually did the race. It wasn't actually to the Olympic Stadium. It was to like Sparta to warn them that the Turks okay. were coming and he died on a ride. I think he died there. It's almost a story yeah, of 300 I I kind of. Yeah, I something like that. And uh, there's actually a race too that, that there's a race from, I think it's either Athens or uh, somewhere like Athens or Marathon to Sparta, which is an ultra, which is like a 100 mile race or something like that. That's like the original uh, but the Athens, they actually call it the Athens Original Marathon because it starts in the town of, of uh, Marathon. Uh, but, which you, maybe you've heard this in the episode already because maybe you did listen, but the Athens Marathon is actually, they say it's somewhat tough because mile uh, kilometer 10 to 31, so distance of a half marathon is entirely uphill. Um, and then it like levels off through into Athens, but you go into the first Olympic Stadium, which is pretty, pretty cool. sick. Yeah, uh, yeah, I definitely want to do that. If That's like were, bucket list for sure. I'm, I'm signed up ready. So if you're, if you're down... This. Uh, and you know, I'm, we didn't reference this at the beginning of the episode. We should have. Blake brought us bottles of wine. Like, yeah, honestly, dude. Like, yeah, you great Blake brought guess, a gift. Man. He's referencing our episodes, man. And like, and honestly, actually, he's mentioning things hey, that you know are what numerous should, different know. episodes. It's not like he just watched one or two to prep for this. I gotta, I gotta. Sorry, go ahead. I'm cutting you off. I gotta, no, he's not like he just watched one or two episodes to prep. Like, you actually are a listener, and you brought us wine. You came with like items from your races and stuff. This so I got, awesome. a, I got a good segue here. So I think we're gonna have to break the record here for for longest episode because there's a lot I want to get into. But speaking of breaking records. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I like that, Georgie. I like, I like that. that one, eh? I like that. Yeah. Wait, okay. you're not you. Uh, you have you have another marathon under your belt yeah. in another category. Yeah. So I will totally go along with that segue. So <laughs> I would say the three toughest things I've ever done in my life. Number one is the Ironman for the mm-hmm. for the first time. Number two, I actually would say Kilimanjaro, mm-hmm. and and that's just because I wasn't used to the altitude. And I do want to talk about that. Yeah, the, the whole climb was actually very manageable because it's just physical stuff, which like, as you may know from this episode, I, I kind of have, I have that down, but the altitude you can't really train for easily. And so I wasn't used to that. So that actually like was like hitting a huge wall and very challenging for me. And then the third thing is what Ricky's holding right there, which is the Guinness World Record for... The longest TV watching marathon in history. That's so funny. Which <laughs> basically means I'm like the world's biggest couch potato. Maybe even ironic, <laughs> ironic <laughs> w- world record to win. Who That's knows? That's what I'm saying. Did you do it because you wanted to get like just because the idea of a marathon or just like what inspired you to do this one? So I was actually thinking about this and I was so like, cool. wow, this is the biggest digression ever, but I feel like it's necessary. So when I was in grade three or grade four, we had a Guinness world record book at the back of the classroom. And it was like from, I had to look this up. It was from 1999 because we always used to sneak to the back of the classroom to look at this one page, which was the most downloaded woman on the internet, Cindy, I, I looked this up again, Cindy Margulis, something like that. And so we're in like grade three. We're not even really like into like women yet, but like we'd go to the back, we'd see the the guy with the longest fin- fingernails in the world or whatever. And we'd be like, oh my God, let's turn to this page. And we look at it and like <laughs> giggle and all that sort of stuff. And that set in into motion that like, hey, I need to be in this book. Like right beside (laughs) in this book. And so it's definitely been on my bucket list to do it somehow. And then basically how it happened was we get this email from this kind of like casting recruiter or something like that. And he's like, Hey, I'm working on, um, I'm working with Bell Media to kind of cast six people for this idea. And then he pitches me on it in in the email. I remember this now. 
how much do you like TV? How much, like, are you competitive? Do you also like winning $5,000? Like, it was literally the, the worst sales pitch ever. And both uh, my twin Koi and I got it. And we look at each, we're like, we're actually not together at the moment, but we, we call each other and we're like, uh, so is this spam? are you taking this seriously? He's like, he's like, man, I think we're getting punked. Like, where's Ashton? Ashton, come out. Where, where are you? And eventually we get on a Skype call and it turns out that it's, it's for real. So I'm like, okay, well I'm doing it. I need to be in the book. Koi's at med school at the time. So he's like, I, I can't take time off. So they asked me if I know any friends. So I instantly think of two friends. Uh, and like, I have a lot of friends who are crazy, but for some reason, just these two friends stood out to me. One was Cam Healy. The other was Jamie Koffler. So I called them up. Unfortunately, Jamie said no, but Cam Healy said yes. And so it was him and I and four others. And it was sponsored by Bell Media for the unveiling of Crave TV, which meant we were in a glass box on Queen Street West for four days from Monday to Friday, I believe, watching TV for 91 hours to kind of get the Guinness World Record. And that was like a PR stunt for them to unveil this new product. Holy. So, wait, how did you go to the bathroom? That's what I was literally just going to ask. <laughs> yeah. So for timed events every hour you get five minutes it's written into the rules like they sent us a document of like guinness world records like how to do things guidelines whatever and every hour you get five minutes to go to the bathroom and then they say this in the in the rules but if you don't go to the bathroom you can bank up those five minutes so if you don't go to the bathroom for 12 hours you get a out you get an hour and um and so that's what we did but I was like super eager at the time and I, I wanted the best chance of success. So I read all these books on, on sleeping and like different ways to do it. And I came across polyphasic sleep, which is like poly just means many and it just means sleeping many times a day. Whereas like what we do is we do monophasic sleep, which is just sleeping once a day. Um, and then bi biphasic is like twice. So it's like where fiestas come into all this and stuff. So I was reading about it and I think the Uberman sleep cycle kind of was like squeezed in there somewhere. And essentially it is every four hours you sleep for 20 minutes. And there's crazy people out there that do that. Like every four hours, nap for 20 minutes. And I think that adds up to like a couple hours a day. So technically you'd be living like a way more efficient lifestyle because you have more hours in your day or whatever. And so I was like, guys, I know we could just go for like hours without going to the bathroom and then we could take one one hour nap and this would be great but i'm like i'm really convinced that we should do the uberman sleep cycle of every four hours nap for 20 minutes and four people got the guinness world record and did it that way and two people didn't and they were the people that banked up so much time went to sleep for an hour but they were so tired and so out of it they couldn't get back into the zone at least from my perspective that's how i viewed it um so so that was kind of how we we um went to the bathroom and then also like strategically got through the whole thing so you did you did this you slept in intervals of 20 minutes like you'd bank at four hours you'd bank your five minutes five minutes five minutes or five minutes per hour and then sleep 20 minutes yeah, so I think I didn't go to the bathroom for 12 hours to bank up that hour. Uh, and I knew that, so, so for the first like day or so, you don't actually have to sleep. So oh, right. you're, you're just banking up more and more time at the beginning. But then they're really strict on how much time you have. So you can't take a 15 minute nap and then come in 
a minute later and be like, oh, guys, sorry, I took a minute extra. They would take that off your time. So it was good that we banked up all this extra minutes in early on so that we could go. And it actually became closer to like a 15 minute power nap um, because then we had to spend time to and from the room. We'd come back in and then we'd get back to TV watching where I was just looking at the rules this morning. It was if you looked away for more than five seconds from the TV, if you looked away for more than five seconds, you got disqualified. If your eyes shut for more than five seconds, you got disqualified. So it was really intense rules. There was someone watching you at all times. So we're in a glass box and yes, we had, and it was sponsored by Bell Media. So they had all their people on it. And then it was being live streamed at the same time. Then people would come by the glass box on Queen Street and like wave at us and like all my buddies and stuff. (laughs) And then people would tell stories of how they would literally turn it on at their workplace on like the big screen TV and just (laughs) literally come come by and check it out every once in a while. That's really cool. Crazy. That's really cool. Sorry. What'd you guys watch? So it was all the Crave TV programming, which again, I had to look up because just quickly, it's an exercise in sleep deprivation, basically staying up for four days straight watching TV. So it's not just the longest TV watching marathon. It's like, hey, can you pretty much stay awake for four days? And when you do, you start to like lose your mental functions and your memory. So I actually forgot 90% of the TV shows. Like I couldn't tell you anything I watched. So I had to look up the list and it was Sopranos, Entourage, Seinfeld. Um, I think this one called Arrow. Black, orphan Black or Black Orphan. Oh, so you had some like good that. shows. No, like, just yeah, wait. you weren't watching just trash. Wait. Then we had 18 hours or something really effing long of Sex in the City. Oh. And literally, I tell people, like, you think your marathon was, like, tough to get through? Man, getting through 18 hours of Sex in the City, you don't know pain. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All our female listeners, like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. It's a great show. <laughs> That's Samantha, actually what? really cool. I just thought you, like... To be honest, I didn't know it was the crib. I thought you just like sat it. Cause, I remember Because you can do a lot of world records where you, like you can do it. Someone, you can like get Guinness, they fly someone out or someone comes out and like does it. So I just assumed that you did it like in your own home. That's actually, that's way, like that seems way harder to sit and like be, not be distracted. Like you're staring at a TV, people going by all the time. Like, yeah. Yeah, I know. Crazy. when Like as you said that, it makes, I bet so many people hear it and they're like, okay, so basically every kid who's been in res You know, like all we did was like watch TV for long periods of time, play video games, whatever. And so when it's not in a more professional context, it seems really hack. But then when you preface it with, hey, it was a PR stunt for the unveiling of a new product by Bell Media, which is like one of the biggest telecommunication companies in in Canada, then it sounds like, okay, he's kind of on something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. I've, uh, I've recently applied. Well, I did it last year and then I recently reapplied to break a Guinness World Record. Great. It's the most uh, alternating catches of a baseball in a minute. The world records, I think it's fifty-eight or something. So Whoa. I just, I might. Who's gonna might, throw to you? I'll find anybody. I asked you to do it. You said no. You, but like, you can find anybody. You have to practice it for a long time. Yeah, you have to practice. But the throw, the throwing's the easier part, right? It's the catching because you have to alternate hands each time. So it's the throwing. I would, I would dis. I, I think the catching is harder. But I, dis, I think that you have to find someone who understands how to throw. It's like the home run derby in baseball, for example. How like you. Yeah, I just could. Go. Yeah, hundred cool. percent. Yeah, yeah. Just go, go run. Guys. Me and Radio keep talking. Just go run out. Yeah, yeah. You know where it is. Uh, it's actually perfect. We're talking about you right yeah. now. So, um, yeah, I was gonna make a joke, but you got like five minutes. Better. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but so it's like the home run derby in baseball. Like people are very specific because like you have to throw in the same spot and it yeah. goes. 
like someone throwing to you 58 seconds in a minute it means you, you have two seconds it means you can be, drop one ball basically you can't drop any balls if you if you want to break it you're it's like i've i've timed it out you're it's literally constantly catch 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 for a minute i can catch with both hands very well and how many attempts can you do this like yeah, attempts are unlimited so, but the guy from Guinness to come out and no, do it? No, no, no. You just you record everything. They give you like um, a full manual on how it works. So they'll say, okay, you have to tape. You need three witnesses who cannot be family members. Uh, it needs to be, you have to have it videotaped from two different angles that prove it. And there's like a couple other smaller things that you need to do. It's got to be set on a, you have to pick the certain date that's going to be done. You have to like email them. I can't remember all the rules. I have it printed out actually in the car. All the rules, yeah. Because I want to break a Guinness World Record. I think it'd be so dope. I actually looked at some podcasting ones. So I thought it'd be fun to podcast. You know what? The, I think the Guinness World, world Record for the longest podcast is like 36 hours. What hell do you talk about? Uh, you just have to talk the whole time? Or like... I guess you're just recording for 36 hours, right? You should look in this. I actually looked into some for cleaning for impact. A lot of companies, so a lot of big companies do yeah, them as well, they, like they stunts ask, Yeah, they ask if it's for a personal or if it's for a company. Yeah. So mine were, were personal, but we should actually... You know what? Let's do it. Let's find a podcast you want to break. Shortest podcast episode. One second. Hi. That's it. <laughs> it probably exists already. You put this one down. I don't keep your in. I love it, man. This is so great that he's done yeah. this. I think that's really cool. Future guests. Again, take notes, man. This is... Blake has been so prepared with this. He's the first guest to come on. He's like, no, references our episode, yeah. man. Honestly. Like, shout out to Blake. Stories. He's not here right now. He'll be yeah, back in a minute. He's, but. He's, he took a little bathroom break. But shout yeah. out to him, man. This is... He brought us these nice bottles of wine. He told us a story how you can't buy them at the LCBO, but he really liked it. So he actually ordered a box of them. Yeah. And we don't even have a bottle opener in the studio, so I can't even drink it. We would have cracked them. Yeah. Honestly, that's crazy, though. That's, yeah. That's yeah, pretty, man, pretty I, I'm cool. Like, I'm excited. We'll, we'll r- probably wrap up with Kilimanjaro. I want to find, I want to ask what Boston do. Perfect time. We're about to get, in, we want to get into Kilimanjaro. <laughs> yes. We'll get into Killing, then wrap up with Boston. Um, so you're saying that uh, you found it really tough. And like I, when I was talking about my experience too, um, and actually the only time we've really gotten into this topic, I mean, we've mentioned a lot, but me and my sister did it. So me and my sister and my brother-in-law um, and our episode with her, she was on early on on the podcast. She yeah, was actually, the, the I, last I episode. That one. Yeah. yeah, she was the last so episode she, before COVID. So she's the reason we did it. Shout out Georgia. Beast. She's like, my sister yeah. is... The, like, You're a spirit animal, bro. Right? She's fearless. She's she's crazy. She, like not only did we do Kilimanjaro in Africa, but then my brother-in-law left after Killy. Me, and my sister went through. Um, this couch squeaks so much, I'm eh? Try, I'm trying not to say. Sorry so to all listeners. our listeners, because yeah, like, yeah, it's a not, lot. But it's um, driving me nuts. So not only did she did we climb Kilimanjaro, but then after me and her did like two weeks in Africa. So we basically went. Um, we yeah, left Kilimanjaro, Namibia, or whatever. Yeah, we went first. We went to Zambia, Zimbabwe. Okay. Cool. So we went to Victoria Falls. Yeah. Uh, swam to Devil's Pool, which is like sick. So, are you, you know what Devil's Pool is? Yeah, 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 I'm familiar. Okay, so we. So, what, which side is better? Like, is it doesn't it border two countries? Yeah. So, uh, we were in Zambia. You have to go. Oh shit, I can't remember now. And then there's we, Angel Angel Pool, Angel and Pool, and Devil. Devil's Pool. So we, so technically we didn't do Devil's Pool. We did Angel's Pool because Devil, we were there the last day that's legally allowed to go because yeah. the water level gets so high that they don't want allowed anymore. Yeah. So it was literally just me, my sister, and the guide. Usually it's like groups of 10 all day no one was there but us so we had the like we were literally sitting on the edge of this waterfall like i look over i have a picture of myself looking over the edge like it's just a drop like yeah it's one of the coolest things but where i was going with this is that we so we did kilimanjaro then we did that then she goes i want to go bu- i want to do bungee jumping at, at the at kill uh, at victoria falls cool which is also she told me this 
the day before we went that the rope snapped on this bridge two years prior. So I was like, sick. Thanks for telling me. Like, now I'm excited. So I went first because I'm like, if something happens to my sister, my dad will kill me anyways. Got to go first. So we did that. Then we went to Namibia and she went skydiving in Namibia on this like shoddy plane. Like, anyways, that was all in a span of like five days maybe. Like, she's crazy. Yeah. But um, jumping back to Kilimanjaro is that she's the reason we did it. Probably the main reason we succeeded because to your what point. What route did you do? We did Lamosho. Is that... La, that yeah i that's what we did too okay cool it's the main one you go through the forest to begin like it's seven days you did how many days did you do so i think we did ours in five or six uh we did ours a day faster than the okay schedule, so six because we were just with like a powerhouse group how many did you do it as a um like uh tour company a guide like how did same you- tour company when when uh it was either you or your sister said the come on the name top we're like something or top uh, yeah top climbers expedition some of that same yeah. one i was like no Man, way come i on. love that you listen blake it makes me so happy yeah <laughs> that's so crazy my girlfriend actually booked everything on that trip which is why if you ask me details i probably won't know that's like me but- my sister <laughs> planned it all i couldn't tell you i don't know anything about like all this stuff <laughs> like honestly i just made sure i knew the route that i did which was Lamosho. which by the way that's what we did yes sir you're right so diverse it's like yep. every day is totally different like one one day is like jungle or rainforest the next mm-hmm. is like arctic tundra the next day like i swear there was like palm trees sprouting out of like mountains and i was like this is the most surreal landscape i've ever seen is that the with the palm trees talking about that's the one the day where you climb up the wall yeah yeah, exactly, yeah i remember that exactly. i was like this is so bizarre it's i didn't expect it to be the way it was i didn't train even though i do like mountaineering i find it fascinating i've read quite a few books on like the topic of various mountains I thought Kilo was just going to be like it's a giant rock mountain. But even the first day, you hike for like eight, nine hours and you're going through like rainforest and it's hot and it's like, it's, it's really weird. And then it starts to get like more desolate, I guess. Yeah. Um, it, honestly, I thought it was really cool. I think I'd be easier doing it now. When, when did you do it? Yeah. So when we were listening to your episode, we were so confused about when you went because we went in February, which is like the peak time to do it. I'm I'm pretty sure it's like dry season or like not cold and there's no snow anywhere or, or rain even. It's like so prime. We're listening to your story. I'm pretty sure you were talking about like rain and like walking on snow. Yeah. Yeah. We, we passed a glacier, but it was like way over. We never touched snow like at all really so yeah so I, I can't remember again shout out to georgia for planning this but it's like what and one is um the winter is like dry and cooler and the summer's like wet i, I i'm mixing them up but there's like a wet and dry and cold and cold and wet oh wet. anyways i'm mixing them up but i thought we weren't gonna have snow um and then we didn't really have any so when we got to the arctic tundra part um where you kind of go up and then you go back down to right before that wall the the uh, Bronco wall, the Bronco wall. Okay. So it was like hailing a little bit. And that day, my sister actually, she always says it was her toughest day. Like I could tell she was like fading a bit. The altitude got her that day. Um, so it, it was a bit of hail, but then it was fine the rest of the way until the, we got to like base camp, like the day before summit. And it was like wet, snowy, wind was going sideways. And then the rest of the way up was all snow for us. Um, Wild. Yeah. It was, uh, I still think it's one of the, one of the coolest things. It was very tough. The altitude really, really gets to you. Me and my brother-in-law yeah. would have so, quit. So how sure. I, how I describe it to people, cause I don't think that the actual like act of, of like summiting and the altitude is that intense. It's more that we can't prepare for it. Mm-hmm. Like for an Ironman, it's easy for me to get on a bike, prepare for the bike ride. Well, okay. So then- it's not easy. <laughs> 
It's not easy. Let's just uh, preface he said, that. Sorry, he I, said it's easy saying, to prepare for it. Yeah, it yeah, is easy like, to prepare for you it. You prepare for it, so then when... The, the preparation is not easy. When, the prep, it's easy to, to prepare. Yeah, and then when the challenge comes, I'm all ready for it, and I can, I can do yeah. it. Whereas this, I felt like I couldn't train for the altitude, especially in a way that I wanted to. So I was a complete beginner at it, mm. and so no wonder I thought it was really challenging. Like, yeah. I do need to preface and say that... The physical component I thought was very easy. Like I have no problem hiking for eight hours a day. Yeah. I'm totally into that. Like that's kind of what I live for. And then the uh, the day of summoning is just really intense because as as you referenced in that earlier episode, you're going so slow. Like yeah. you're moving like inches at a time, yet it feels like you're doing sprints or something. Yeah. I was so gassed, so tired. But what I was super pumped about is I had my day pack on because they make you uh, climb with one. And a lot of people gave their day pack to uh, the porters. Yeah, I definitely and did. <laughs> I didn't. I actually kept my bag and I was just super pumped that I like felt like I did it all on my own, even though they do everything <laughs> to help you get yeah. to the top. But the, the highlight of the whole climb, the thing I was most stoked about is I was in the airport lounge before going on this trip. We just went direct to um, Moshi, is it? Moshi Airport. Yeah, yeah, Moshi Airport. So we went direct from Canada and we were in the lounge. So I grabbed a couple Molson Canadians and I was like, I'm going to shotgun one on the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. And I get there and I take out the beer. I tarps off. I take off Heck my shirt. Yeah, here we go. I take off my shirt, tarps off. Unfortunately, I wasn't in the best shape of my life, or else that would be the best picture of all time. So I'm gonna have to redo it. Uh and I'm gonna have to read. <laughs> I didn't I didn't shotgun it, but I did open it up and I tried to chug as much as I could, which just ended up being a small sip. But like <laughs> who cares? I got the picture and I tell everyone that I chugged a Molson Canadian after I summoned Kilimanjaro. You gotta send that to that. Molson Canadian. Yeah, it should they be should, a commercial. They should, yeah, they should pay you for something. Yeah, definitely. It did it? Uh, so that the way when you drank it, did you feel like did it get you buzzed at all, or whatever? Because you're like so depleted and like altitude or anything like that. Did yeah, it, of course. Like, yeah, I was in the, one sip. He's like, buzzed as, as you, you probably were too. I was in the worst mental state ever at the top of that yeah. mountain. I was just like, I feel like I'm on the moon or Mars, and <laughs> yeah. not doing well. Yeah. So even trying to stage that pick, I was just like took me everything I had to like take a few gulps of that thing. Yeah. It's uh you know what it is really cool. Like it's funny because when you're when you're doing stuff like that, like me and my sister were joking, like when we were up into the top coming down, we're like we are never doing this again. Like it's it feels good, but you're just like you're dying. It's grueling, right? I'm sure like maybe not for you, but like even when I did like my marathon, as soon as it's kind of over and you move past it, you really kind of block out the bad. Like I still remember how shit I felt climbing up. But if someone said would you do it again, like I'd go tomorrow. Yeah, because like it's a really cool feeling, but and that when you're doing it, you like it is like it's long, and that last day, the eight hours up is, is terrible. But it's just satisfying feeling you're up there, and even though like your brain's half functioning because you're t above altitude and all that stuff, like when you take it, and I can still remember what it looks like standing up there. Like it's very, very cool, very surreal feeling. Yeah, um, yeah, I thought it was one of the coolest, and I'm very happy that my sister called us all those names and made us go up to the top. But yeah, that last day, the eight hours is, is very, it's very tough. Yeah, about doing it again. Uh, I don't think I'll do the exact mountain again, but it definitely got me into the seven summits. Yeah. And Aconcagua. Aconcagua. Yeah, Aconcagua in Argentina. It's like that is on my radar. That's my next one I want to do. Yeah. 
And, and especially like I looked into, it, I'm pretty sure it's the same thing. Like not a lot of technical climbing. Yep. It's just higher. Like what is it? 23,000 feet. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really high. It's uh, compared to Killy is 19 or yeah, 18. Killy yeah. Is 19. So, so I only know more. the feet. I don't know the meters, but then. Uh, Killy is 5,900 meters. Kill okay. is 5,900 yeah. and Aconcagua is like 6,000 something. So you do get kind of close, okay, not the cool. death zone, but kind of closer. Yeah. Yeah. And then Everest is 29,000. Yes. Feet. Okay. So cool. Aconcagua is the next one I wanted to do. I was actually planning like, cause the only continent I haven't gone to South America. And I figured like I want to do Patagonia and, yeah, and yeah, Aconcagua. That's so it. that's probably the next one. I was hoping to do it this February actually. Um, cause February is good climbing season, yeah. but probably not going to happen now. Yeah. Cause my plan was to do that and then Mount Elbrus in Europe. Um, yeah. Russia. Yeah. Russia. Yeah, they say it's cool. a good time to go. It's like July. Yeah. It's like perfect being Europe in the summer. So climb that one and then just kind of hang out there. But, um, I do want to do all of them. I don't know if I'll ever like get to like Everest or all those big ones, but it is something that's That'd be definitely crazy. on yeah, my list. What's, what's cool with Mount Elbrus. I just recently read this in a book, in a book, <laughs> uh, but there's this thing called the white nights where the sun doesn't go down in Russia. So if you're in St. Petersburg, maybe in Moscow, I, I don't know. I think it was talking of, about St. Petersburg, but the sun doesn't go down, I think, end of June. So it's oh. like literally like constant light and they throw all these parties and like festivals or not festivals, but like operas and whatever they do in Russia. That's kind of like a social <laughs> scene. Operas. And I'm like, wow, doing that and then pairing it with climbing Elbrus would be the move. Yeah. Maybe even hopping on the... <laughs> train and uh doing the trans-siberian or mongolia yeah that would be really cool uh like i love you buddy <laughs> i love you just everything love you, about you i love you that's uh so it, i don't know if you've uh like if you're if you're into mountaineering a really good book i read recently but at the beginning of covid by peter zuckerman called buried in the sky i think it's about the deadliest of the young k2 really good book should so i'm i'm not into mountaineering but i okay. want to be and just okay. the other day i was like writing down my like not my credentials but i was like okay marathon runner like iron man whatever and i wanted to write like mount like mountain climber or mountaineer but then in brackets i wrote kilimanjaro and i was like honestly that's like not enough yeah. to define me as a mountain climber so that's why i need to get a couple others on my list yeah. so then i can be like hey i, I want to do the one that's the easiest probably to do which which um is uh what's the one in um i'm gonna Alaska, count in, uh, mount washington. st louis no mount rainer that's i'm gonna climb mount rainer in washington mount st louis mount rainer in washington is one that a lot of people do in the states there's also we met a guy actually have we told the story about the guy we met on the plane i think we have but tell it so is. We were flying to Scottsdale for Ricky's ba brother's bachelor party, and I was reading uh, Buried in the Sky, I think, or no. Anyways, I was reading, I think, one of them, or a friend of mine was reading End of Thin Air or something. Anyways, I'm sitting next to John and just talking, and uh, something about mountaineering came up, and I was talking to like his uh, Rob, whatever. We were talking about uh, climbing, and then I was like, oh, yeah, I'm really sorry. He was reading into thin air and I, to I was talking about like why I like mountaineering and like how I read the book and I really liked it. So we started getting into like how we think Everest is cool and just talking about it. I kind of peeked behind me and I see this guy on his laptop scrolling through pictures and I was like, they look like mountains. And I look over, and I was like, okay, cool. Keep talking. I look back. He's just another one. I was like, I'm like, is that Everest? He's like, yeah. I was like, is that you? He's like, yeah. So this guy actually climbed Everest and he was, we started shooting the shit and, uh, his name, he's like, I'm Alan Mallory. And I was like, that name sounds so familiar. Um, and uh, he starts talking about how he's the first. So he, he climbed Everest with his sister and his dad. They're the they have the world record for the first family, I think, to summit Everest together. Um, but anyways, I kept asking him, like, your name Mallory. I'm like, why does it sound familiar? And he goes, I'm related to George Mallory. 
George Mallory is said to be, so the first person ever summit Mount Everest is Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay. Tenzing Norgay was a Sherpa. Edmund Hillary, they named the Hillary step after him because that's like the last peak to get over. Cool. George Mallory was rumored to be the first guy ever, like 10 years before or something or 20 years before, but he died on his descent. So there's no proof that he actually made it to the top. He'll believe he did because of the timelines, but they've never found his body or his camera. So this guy is, I guess, his like a grandson of his. So he was telling us a story and how they're still trying to find this body and there's been searches and all this stuff and they still can't find it. Anyways, this guy was really fascinating. He just happened to connect on a flight and we've actually tried to get him on. I think we will at some point, but um, anyways, I don't know. That's unreal. Story, but that was a really happenstance story, just like meeting him on a plane and like, so that's where I was going with this too. And he's also climbed Denali in Alaska and he said that, like even though Everest is the hardest, he said Denali is kind of it's kind of sketchy. Yeah, because cause that's like technical and cold. Like and you're climbing across glaciers that there's like holes underneath yeah, that you can't yeah. see because the snow covers them. So you have to basically tie off to people the whole time as you're as you're walking. And a lot of times you'll just fall into a crevice, and you have to like do a fall arrest. So like someone's got to stop you. So if you're not paying attention to the person in front of you while you're climbing, like you you're, someone's life's in your hands. Anyways, he told us all these stories that were crazy, and it just really like fired me up to go climb more mountains. So like that's kind of the next on the list i want to be a like you mountaineer yeah quote unquote yeah i think <laughs> that's yeah. important yeah i'm gonna stay put on on the flat ground rick's, here. rick's more like let's just go to Ibiza and <laughs> yeah no i'm down to do like triathlons ironmans stuff like that but climbing a mountain you know kilimanjaro or something one of those i, w- I would be down to do one of the easy ones or not easy the easier the big ones i'd be down to do but like a crazy one like i don't know k2 or everest like K2's next level. That's you got to be a real mountain. Like yeah, you can't. Yeah, like, like, I have no interest in, in doing that. Like so, two weeks. So just quickly. Um, oh, two weeks. <laughs> you know how long Everest takes? No. Everest is like a two month trip. Really? Yeah. I think six weeks or eight, six to eight weeks, I think. Everest. That's I don't know if you know. Anyways. I actually don't yeah, know the so, time frame, but I do know it's it's long. Yeah. K2 yeah. as well. So you got to like you acclimatize seven days going up Killy. Everest, you'll go like you'll spend one day going to camp one back to base for a week. Camp two, back to base. Camp two again, back to base. Camp three, back to base. Camp three, and then camp four, and then down, and then camp four to summit. So you're doing like, you're basically running the same route over and over and over just to acclimatize. Wow. And then the last day, you do like a three-day push where you skip all the way up to like, I think you go to camp two, you sleep, camp four, and you're also climbing across the Kumbu Icefall, which is basically like, you know, you, you know, have you seen the movie Everest? You know, no, I haven't. Oh, it's a great movie. There's, a, there's like a crevasse you have to cr- cross, cross to get to camp one from base camp. And it's the most deadly areas where most people die because things collapse. The, the glacier's like constantly melting. You're climbing across ladders tied together by Sherpas. That's where most people die because there's like seracs, which are like pieces of ice that hang. And they're the size of like small buildings. So picture this building we're in, the size of a thing. They just fall off and snap ladders in half. Anyways, watch Everest. It's a good movie. I'm we don't have to go it. down this tangent now. I'm going to watch really it tonight. Really tonight or tomorrow, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. Anyways, I got really Anyways, about mountaineering, yeah. but uh, so I got another question. What's uh, what's next on the bucket list for you for for challenges? Great question. <laughs> Thanks, man. So, doing the Athens Marathon with you. Oh. That's that's gonna happen. Buddy, you're talking my language now, I but think, you gotta run a little slow for me. Yeah, I think <laughs> number two. I'm just gonna list like a few things that come to mind. I think uh, the Great Wall of China Marathon. So it's not actually, yeah. I, I don't think it's official from what I've like quickly done research on. I think it's more adventure group. That's like, Hey, we run a marathon on the great wall, but still like, I don't think that takes away from how unreal that would be. 
Uh, so I want to do that. Then when you get into marathon running, you realize that there's six marathons that everyone needs to run or like they're, they're world marathon majors. So they kind of get on your bucket list. So there's, uh, Berlin, London, Tokyo, and then Chicago, New York, Boston. And so I've actually only done Chicago, even though I've qualified for Boston and New York. So then I need to do the rest of them, those three global ones. So those are really high up on the list, but then my all time favorite thing, like in my mind, that's a, a challenge and, and it's a, it's a bike ride. It's not a race or anything, but it's like my all time focus. I've been wanting to do it for the last five years. I want to do a bike ride from the Northeast of Scotland to the Southwest of Scotland and basically stop at all the Scotch distil- distilleries on the way. It's a 700 kilometer bike ride, which isn't that bad. I recently just did a bike ride from Toronto to Mount Tromblant, like earlier this year while COVID was happening. And we did 200 kilometers a day over three days uh, to do six, <laughs> 600 kilometers in three days. So 700 kilometers is not a crazy amount. And basically you just go across all of Scotland from the north to the south, from the from the east to the west and you stop at all these sweet scotch places and then you finish on the island of isla i believe it's pronounced isla it's it's i-s-l-e-s whatever it is a-y and people might pronounce it like isla but it's actually isla and that's where lagavulin distillery is which is such a solid scotch as well as a bunch of other ones and I just have that in my mind that I need to do that. And then I also need to buy a barrel, hopefully with some friends, and then go back in like 10 or 15 years when the barrel is ready and then open it up and like have the scotch party and then like import it all back. So that's like the number one thing on my list right that now. That is a pretty like... That's amazing. Yeah, and you're like, I would never have thought <laughs> that, of that. That's amazing. Wait, is that, but just, like, that would, is that a thing? Like it's planned that bike ride is like a normal course people do or you just thought of it yourself? Uh, or like, just, like, is it organ? Like, no, it's not organized. Okay. I just thought of it, and then I went on Google Maps, like the Street View or whatever, and I literally Street Viewed the whole 700 kilometers to make sure it wasn't like gravel road, and it was legit. There was only one segment, <laughs> only like, one segment that was you sketchy. Google Street Viewed a 700 kilometer route to see if there was any gravel roads. I'm really serious about this. How long ride. did it take you to do this? How long did it take you to like to, to watch? I screen, hours. I screen recorded it while I was doing it so that I could like do it in like, like fast you can forward visualize it. it. Yeah, 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 exactly. And like fast forwarded it so I could go through it in a matter of like seconds or minutes. Uh, so the screen recording was 45 minutes. Jesus. Man. That's, dude, you're honestly very, impre- you're a, you're an impressive guy. Honestly. I knew this episode was going to be like this. Like uh, know, crazy good stories. I, f- oh shit. Oh, sorry. I just want to ask something about the marathons too, because obviously we touched on the fact that you're going to do, you qualify for Boston. Um, before just kind of end on that one. But um, Chicago, is that one you have to qualify or can you just sign up for Chicago? So it's a lottery that I'm told the lottery is easier than other marathon races to kind of like get like, not like win because it doesn't really work like that, but to kind of uh, become a participant through. But I actually did qualify for that. I think the cutoff was like three hours, 10 minutes or something like that. So I did qualify for, I love Chicago because like New York and maybe a handful of other big cities, it has a great food scene. And so after the race, we went to this burger place called Ochevelle, which oh, I heard it's incredible. supposedly boasts the best burger in America. Yeah. Um, 
And does that mean in the world? Who knows? But after, after the race, we literally just went there and ate burgers and had cocktails. And it was the greatest after marathon eating and drinking sesh. Uh, Chicago is one of my favorite cities. And we were going to go to Cheval. I think when we were there, but every time I've been there, there's been a, like a line or we didn't end up going. So I was going to our trusty Shake Shack right by Grant Park. <laughs> staple, staple. Close second. Close second. Love Shake it. Shack bet is the best. Yeah. But uh, of those six, what, you want to? No, no. I was going to go to Boston. Yeah, yeah, I know Boston, but of this, the three you mentioned, Berlin, Tokyo, and what was London, that one, London? London. Of those three, which one would, which would be the top of your list to do? Well, I think I have to go back to London for a little bit of like payback and like yeah. close find the, the find the girl find I'm that back, girl I'm yeah, do close it. the loop on that thing because yeah. it kicked my ass it hospitalized me so <laughs> I need to go back and literally just have a good ending to that story yeah uh, not to mention my sister lives there so that'd be great but then when you ask that question every city on that list is is good for its own reasons especially the global ones like who wouldn't want to do tokyo or Bo yeah. berlin and then uh the ones in the states are each special in their own way nor um new york would be incredible boston is like the one yeah. so they're all good and then on that note with boston let's kind of let's wrap it up with that yeah. tell us about the boston marathon obviously it's a little bit different this year given the circumstances but tell us yeah, so this one was a very interesting one, which I feel like you guys would like because I know you're really family-oriented. Like, you have your moms and your brothers on the show yeah. and sister. Um, do you have a sister? No. Okay, cool. Just John, my boy. Happy birthday, John. Oh, yeah. It's his Happy well, birthday. It's his birthday when this comes out, but it's his birthday today. Oh, yeah, cool. So, yeah. That's really great. Yeah. Um, so what I did is it was a virtual race. I had just done this 600-kilometer bike ride two weeks before, which I was really training intensely for so i couldn't really squeeze in marathon training so it was against my like inclination but i had to do this race that i couldn't really train for and it's also boston so there's no way i'm not doing it and so i kind of went into it underprepared and i looked at it for a while and i was like well i can either just run a really slow race and it's nothing special and that's not how I want my first Boston race to be. So I kind of pitched my, my family, my girlfriend, my two parents on, hey, what happens if we run from the, the west gate of Algonquin Park to the east gate of Algonquin Park? Pretty much run all of Algonquin Park. And you guys will be in the car. You'll set up drink stations like every five kilometers and I'll just run the race and then I'll see you guys. And then we'll like hang out at the drink stations and then we'll just do that for the full 42 kilometers. So I was super stoked that I was able to run the virtual race in a creative way instead of just running it like on Young Street in Toronto or something like that. Yeah. So I was able to do that. I was able to get my parents involved, my, my family involved, and then each drink station was themed. So at each station, uh, I took like a picture and I, I don't know if I like just did it for the gram, like that would obviously be superficial, but yeah. each station was themed. So we had like a fake flip cup one. Obviously I'm not drinking beer mid, <laughs> mid marathon. Um, and then we had like a Lego one and then we had like a wine tasting one. There was all these different themes and this, ideas. Man. That's great. Yeah. And we just snapped pictures. Oh, and the best one was my dad and I arm wrestling and he's like just the nicest, like softest, most gentle person, like so great. And he's like, like, I don't know if like 
we need to arm wrestle. And I was like, yeah, dad, I get it. It's not your character, but like, this is going to be one for the books. And then we were meant to fake it, but he actually took it seriously. He literally like ripped my arm to the table. I'm like, okay, great. Uh, but we got the best picture out of it ever. So overall it was just a really great race. I totally, totally did poorly when it comes to time i, I did like four hours 15 minutes which i think terrible i think terrible like, he's like, stopping like, an arm terrible. wrestling and he still runs faster than if i tried my absolute hardest let's just compare personal standards here i'm not I saying know, anything I against no, no, no i know I, what I you mean it, that's funny though. i think it was my second slowest marathon um but i had a blast doing it it was creative you got and your then, family involved yeah, too man that's all those pictures too i'm gonna definitely yeah. like frame them or do something it's cool. a really cool idea too like i would never thought like to go up to Algonquin and run through that's really really cool mm-hmm. is it road you ran through or is it trail like we're running there uh just the road it's it's the, almost the highway oh it just runs through the middle yeah mm-hmm. oh okay sick but it's really good the shoulders are massive so okay. there was no issue nice nice i love this man. so that's then you're so then i guess the plan is hopefully if covid is gone by next year is to actually go to boston and run boston yeah so honestly like if you're asking me do i need to qualify again to run boston it's like right now it's just not on my list like i can't i can't re-qualify for boston so if they make me do that then boston i think is going to be a few years off if on the other hand they're nice about it and they're like hey look you qualified in 2020 uh well i qualified actually in 2018 i believe late in the season which then made me skip 2019 and qualify for 2020 if they accept that kind of race as eligible for 2021 in a heartbeat that is going to be my favorite race something i've always looked forward mm-hmm. for like i've heard the energy is just so unreal so i am totally stoked to do that but they've already sent out an email i i believe that said hey we're not doing it in the traditional uh april time frame it's already moved to fall of 2021 so like we have no idea what's going to happen yeah, yeah. um i have two last things number one uh I wish I brought it now. In hindsight, I should have. A good friend, a good friend who's been on the podcast, Jam Sheet. He got us Ricky and I Lonely Planet books, and he got me one because he knows I like to run. Called the best runs in the world, and it's a giant like coffee table book that has like not just every race, but just cool routes in different countries. So like you flip through, and like it'll be like Cuba, and I'll show you like a, three routes in Havana you can run for different distances. It talks about ultras, talks about all these things. So if you have a chance to pick it up, I think you can get it on. I think on Amazon. Highly recommend it unless you have cool. it already. But. No, so I have the one best uh, bike rides in the world. Like, okay. same sort of yeah. concept, but really, really cool. Cycles. Actually, that leads me to second. I actually have two more now. Um, do you ever want to do an ultra? So that's for the next episode with you guys. Oh, oh are you so actually planning to do one? I've done an ultra. And I've done it at Burning Man. If you know what that is, yeah. you'll know that. Dude, what the hell? Like, that this is, is already we, broken yeah, our yeah, record we, we for time. I don't want to go too much longer. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we'll save that for part two. Rick's, yeah. Rick's fading over here. I could sit here and no, talk no, for the next no, five no, hours. Not fading, just like, yeah, no, no, no. I, I definitely don't want to get into it. No, either, yeah. So we'll say we can even talk. Tech, maybe we'll we'll say something for like maybe in the spring too when running's back. Maybe we can get out for some runs together and then we can talk about it. And like, you know, and I honestly, ideally, is like, you know, if an indication of runs, race is coming back in the new year, like, We'll you do know, one. We'll, yeah, we'll I'll sign train. up and yeah, we'll, we'll train, train for this one. Yeah. Um, before we kind of get into our questions that we ask, I do have one more that I don't think I've ever asked anybody. What's your favorite thing about running? One favorite thing about it. So I actually got into running because it was something I did with my twin bro, Koi. 
And it was cool because we're identical twins. So we run at the exact same pace. Like side <laughs> note, it's really hard to find a run buddy that's exactly the same as you. And sometimes like they're going at too fast pace or too slow pace. And then that kind of breaks down the, the chemistry, but we run at the exact same speed and pace. And so we basically go on these runs as twins and we just talk, we just like hang out and just like have amazing conversations. And like, sometimes they were about good things. Sometimes they were about bad things, but either way, they were just so such great bonding. And then at the end we'd finish at like an Italian restaurant or uh, like an Asian restaurant. And then even when we were younger, we'd like finish and like have a bunch of beers. And like, if anything in our early twenties, that was like a productive Saturday. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and so at the end of the day, like that's what really got me into the sport was just something to do uh, with Koi. And so that's what I, I kind of love. But if I'm running by myself or, or not with Koi, it, it would be that I find that in the same way that, that Ricky says the gym is like his sanctuary, I feel like running, <laughs> I feel like running is my sanctuary too. Like it's so great to just go out and go on a run and just you're left alone with your thoughts to like th- mull things over and think, think things through. And so that's what I really like about it. Very cool. And you don't run with music ever? Sometimes I do, but most of the time I'm listening to podcasts. Wow, amazing podcasts. <laughs> we didn't even talk about this. Yeah, maybe maybe the we'll the next the episode. The next what wait, what is it's uh that's that's if you were gonna ask me for let, the, let's quickly let's quickly get into this because this looks cool. So, so the lobster man triathlon, if third were, place. If you were gonna let me say what uh some of the best races I've done are, like my favorite triathlon, then that would be one of them, and that's called the Lobsterman Triathlon, and it happens in Maine. It's on the on the coast in the States, and basically you finish with a lobster bake and there's full out like amazing seafood and amazing lobster. You pay like 30 bucks for it. Unlimited beers. Not even that. That's like, that's like a small thing on the list, but you're just eating this lobster and I have a lobster bib on and like all the butters, like all over my arms and stuff. And they're like Blake Cronin, Blake Cronin. And I'm like, what? Like, why are they saying my name? And turns out randomly, I, I, podium finished for my age group third place and i like literally run up there because they had been saying my name for a while and people are like you're bib you're bib so i rip it off right before getting on stage so I that's a, sick. a little more professional and that's what like olympic distance uh yeah just olympic just that's nobody, awesome. just olympic distance man honestly dude you've done some cool shit um, it fires me up like I want to go for a run. Right I now. honestly, I was thinking. So two things I just realized now. One, I've seen lobster. I'm starving, so <laughs> I'm gonna go to food. But I'm actually going for a run today. Not a bad day. Yeah, I'll go break day. in my alpha flies and see if I can beat one of uh, one <laughs> of your times, even if it's, even if it's for a hundred meters. Yeah. <laughs> um, honestly, this is great, Blake. Thank you. I for was hoping on. to touch two hours. To be honest, I knew this was gonna we be a long touch one. Two hours, anyways. But with the intro and the last two questions, we'll touch two hours. Yeah, I was really hoping. I, like honestly, I was coming to this one. I was like, endurance athlete. We're gonna make this one go yeah. go long, um, and we probably could have gone another hour easily. Oh, easily, easily. easily. We'll it's been a lot of fun, yeah. man. Yeah, honestly. I've really enjoyed it. We'll Thanks get you. We'll get you on. back on for another 100. percent Yeah. Do you know what? I'm glad we got to do this because you are phenomenal. Uh, obviously, you know you've listened to the questions before. <laughs> you've listened to the episode, so. I don't even need to give the spiel. I'll just get into it. Um, if there was a movie about your life, who would you want to star as you? Yeah. So I spend so much time training that I don't actually watch a ton of TV or minus or, the, fifth, the 91 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Minus, <laughs> my, minus that, which is an ironic uh, world record to, to win in my opinion. And yeah, I had to like sure. fake it. But honestly, so, like, even though I've heard this question on the podcast, I would say for me, it, it, 
it doesn't really like appeal to me or relate to me as much because I don't watch tons of TV. Hence, I don't look at a specific like actor and be like, oh my God, like this person just like is me or whatever. Uh, but if I did have to answer that question, I would say two people. And the first one is my Bond fan inside me is just like, Daniel Craig playing. Oh, him. I like that. that. that was, no one's yeah. given Daniel Craig. That before. would be the greatest thing ever. Like if he was me, like, let's just t- say we took like a segment of my life, like a Muskoka May 24 weekend and Daniel <laughs> Craig played me and he's like Cronin, Blake Cronin. Like, come on, that, that would be the best ever. That would be, oh, but it. that's, that is like kind of like, whatever. It's like, it's bond. Like I bet a lot of guys like would believe that too, or want that same character. I think the second guy that I really actually relate to and kind of have affinity for is uh, Ryan Reynolds. As That's Van what I was thinking for you, man. As Van Wilder. Okay. Oh. Best, best character in film, in my opinion. Yeah, in and, film. And that's why I would want him. I have that DVD. That's so funny. <laughs> that I, reminds me a lot of like Western and like University Days and Everything. That was a good movie. Yeah. Really funny. So good. And Ryan Reynolds is also a beauty. Beauty. He's honestly so underratedly funny, especially like in Deadpool. Oh, so funny. Yeah. Killer. Do you know, Dead, side note, Deadpool got shut down like twice. Before, like he pitched it to, uh, I guess to whatever, uh, Warren or whatever one of those big movie producers, and they shut it down twice, and then it turns out to be the highest grossing X-rated movie of all times because it's X-rated. Oh, yeah? yeah. Wow. So they, he's like Jeez. laughing at them because I think it it beat Ryan so, Reynolds pitched it though. Yeah, Deadpool's his. He owns it. No, he didn't own it, but it was his idea to do a Deadpool movie. Oh, really? Yeah. It was Ryan Reynolds. It's, it's like his idea. So, because you know he played Deadpool in Wolverine. Yes. And then it kind of right? like. And that was like, it was a kind of like, it wasn't good. Yeah. But Deadpool kind of is in that, in the X-Men universe. universe. Yeah. So he pitched it. It got shut down. Pitched it again. Got shut down. Pitched it. Someone said yes. And it turned out to be the highest grossing X-rated movie of all times. And fun fact, I think it actually beat one of the X-Men movies that came out like a similar time. He also made a shitload on his tequila company. Yeah, but if you it, look He's at his beauty. tweets, because his yeah. like there was I remember seeing an article about his tweets. Oh, I would love Ryan to Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds, Sean Mendes, Ryan Reynolds. Those are like two big ones. We got to get Canadian studs. We'll get them. Uh, yeah. So Georgie, uh, if you could give one piece of advice to a young Blake, what would it be? Don't don't do that run at at seven a.m. <laughs> after night of boozing. Exactly. Uh, so. I think two things that I'm doing that worked really well for me and I, I never really kind of looked at it that way was racing is really important, not just in like, Hey, I'm going to go out and run and like get physically fit, but it actually is so much more beneficial. And for me, it had a huge impact on my self-confidence and my self-worth. And I feel like I'm a little bit of a self-deprecating individual, AKA like I listen to that negative self-talk a little bit more than I listen to the positive self-talk. And I felt like it took running where you're constantly setting a goal and then achieving it and then making more intense goals and then achieving that and then starting to place and like do really well for me to like shut up that voice in my mind that was like, Hey, you can't do it. Like the negative self-talk. And it literally changed me as an individual where I just became so much more confident, so much more sure of myself and more comfortable with my identity, which I've never had a problem with per se, but I just, it feels so good now. And it's, it's, because of running and because of that kind of development. 
Then the second thing that I did that's so random, and a lot of people are going to be like, what? Like, what's he talking about? But I signed up for this thing called Toastmasters, which is a public speaking class. You literally are a club, public speaking club. And you literally just go to the front of the room and you give speeches. And I've given like 15 over two years that I've been a member. But what I really, what I what happened was you get to the front of the the room and at first you're so nervous and you're like, Oh my God, I have no idea what to say. And your speech isn't even that well written, but it literally just started getting me over that fear of speaking in front of people. And again, it kind of comboed with the whole race mentality of it built up my self-worth and my self-confidence where I just started feeling more, more kind of capable competent, deserving, like in, in my own mind. And so those are two things that I I would definitely pass down to my younger self. Hey, these are two things that are working for me. Do more of them start at a younger age, all that sort of stuff. I I love the the first one specifically. I really love because it's so true. Like doing those races and starting to run and shutting up that negative energy in your, in your mind that it's, it's easy for us to focus on that, right? Like our, I think as humans, the negatives will always when you're thinking about bad things or you're in a bad place, the negatives always outweigh the positives. You're thinking, Oh, how the hell can I, how the hell can I do this? That voice, that devil on your shoulder, whatever. So the fact that you mentioned that is so true because when you set those little goals and you keep accomplishing those goals little by little and you keep racing, doing better than placing yada, 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 it makes a huge difference. And then that negative voice almost turns into nothing and you're just filled with positive energy and you know, fucking good vibes. Yeah. GVO baby. <laughs> I actually, funny enough, I'll like on the other side of that. Cause the Toastmaster advice, I've actually, a lot of people just, um, a few people I know have I've done it, um, and funny enough, or like oddly enough, for someone who likes to talk as much as I do, I used to have a terrifying fear of public speaking. I actually took speech two hundred one at Western so in second year, and like I would go up and speak. I speak naturally fast, even when I'm talking. You're like, you get excited, and I just have to like spiral. And sometimes I'm like not as articulate, but I would get so scared in front of people that I would talk so fast, I would like run out of breath, and then it would get worse. Then I would like sweat and get really nervous. My sister was actually the, one of the ones that she took it. She's like, listen, you should do this because like it's crazy how much you like to talk but you panic in front of people and uh i actually would give that same advice too like you don't really realize like i am lucky that we have this platform that you kind of just put yourself out there but i would probably do the same advice to my younger self because you get so nervous going in front of people or like a platform like this that like you know what am i going to talk about do i sound smart people are going to think that i sound smart like what are they thinking and then you also realize that 99 percent of people are in the same boat as you and they're looking at you like holy i can't believe he's up there like they're like it's almost like they're like they they want to do it, but then they do it and it just keeps the cycle keeps going, right? But getting over that fear at a young age is, is I guess, tough for a lot of people. Like I had that same thing, and I was, I would give myself that same advice going back. I love yeah. it. Love it, uh, Blake. It's been a pleasure having you on. We're definitely going to get you on for a, a round two in the in the new year. Uh, if people want to find out more about you, the races, some of the amazing things you've accomplished in your life, where can they go? How can they find you? Yeah, so I'm not really an influencer or anything. So if they want to check me out on Instagram, they could check me out at BlakeYCC. A lot of people call me Blakey, so it's BlakeyCC. And then you could just shoot me an email. That's probably more my style. And that's Blake at AllOneCity.com. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll put all the, the plugs in the, in the episode because I'm sure some people will want to reach out because you've done some extraordinary feats and we're, we'll get you back on to talk about some of the the crazier ones that you've done too. So uh, again, thank you for coming on. You've been uh, a great guest, a great host like this, the wine, the energy, the stories you brought have, have been amazing. So thank you. And uh, until next time. Yeah. Can't wait. All right. Cheers guys. Peace.
You like to drink and to smoke to take away the pain And I don't remember all of my mistakes and every high I got alone 